and welcome to Game Brain, a board game podcast about our gaming group. I'm Ben Mandelker, and today I'm joined with Mr. Thomas Donnelly. Hi, Tom. Hi, Ben. I'm going to come in high energy because yeah. you were just very, it was very subdued. It was yeah. very, I don't know what's going on there. It was chill. We I had was, a very late game night. Yeah, we had a late game night, but also, you know, it's just like a chill summer weekend. And so we're coming in with chill vibes. Summertime you know? and the living's easy. Don't worry. The energy, listen, the energy is up and big because you know who else is here? Mr. Oh. Paul Satachit. Ow, hey everyone! Hey, hey, hey! We're hiding from the heat in Tom's air-conditioned office. Oh, yeah. it's so nice. It's nice and it was cool. Too air-conditioned for Candace last night. Uh, yeah, it was. It got cold for Candace. Never too cold for me. I love it. And nice and you know what's funny? In the summertime, I love like it's just an icy, cold, air-conditioned room. It like where it's like sixty-five degrees. But then in the wintertime, I want it hot and toasty. <laughs> I'm sixty-five. The ex- I'm like it's too cold. I'm the exact same way. I understand it is not a uh, an energy forward way of uh, way of looking at things, and no. yet the heart wants what it wants. Exactly. I, I'm actually an, an all cold all the time person. But you, but you're often wearing jackets. You like you will wear your like down jacket inside. Yeah, like, that, that's is that because, why? That's because my body has thermal control. Like that, it's it's an like we are adapted to do that. Like, <laughs> well, I guess my question is this. Okay, so for me, I when I sleep. I like it to be really cold in the room, and then I bundle myself under a comforter because I like to be cozy. Does that the same thing while you wear sort of like a down jacket? Like you, the air will be on, and you'll put on a down jacket. I actually, it, uh, may I, Tom? Oh, go ahead. Okay, I think I actually wear it for weight. If, oh, I, yeah, yeah. if, if I think about the heavy blanket thing, yeah, uh, like, yeah. it's like a thunder vest, uh, like yeah. A, like a, yeah, a thunder shirt, but thunder, yeah, for a dog. Ben, if if you and Dom ever break up and you need a, a, a boyfriend, like I don't know if I can get into all of the aspects of your lifestyle, but we match so well on the cold room yeah. with the with the hot with the hot blanket, and you can adjust your temperature that way. The cool, 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 cool in the summer indoors, hot, hot, hot in the winter indoors, right? I, and so many, um. People I know have major marital and and relationship dis- disputes over this mm. exact issue. The thermostat is the is the barometer of relationships. It yeah. goes thermostat, infidelity, and like you know money in, in yeah. that order. In that Probably, order. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, let's take some temperature. Let's take the temperature oh, on oh. some games, you guys. We were gonna segue master. Segue master. Like I, um, I was like, okay, I'm at a crossroads. I can either bring up tinned fish because we were talking about it before the podcast. Let's let it come up naturally because it will be something that we will end up talking about with one of the th- with one of the topics we're, we're we're on. Right? Are you gonna talk about fresh fish again and then like weave it into tinned fish? Oh my god, that'd be so good. <laughs> it's a sequel to, to fresh fish. It's, it actually, fish. it'd be a great sequel. You're, you're basically you get. Uh, you get scored by how far you are from various places. Yeah, well, well, you could. The game would be like the 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 array of fish that you can put into a tan, and like some are really nice, like a razor clam, but they have a high margin. So um, see how not organic to... this came up already. It already came. <laughs> up. It's beautiful. It already seems like a splatter game to me. Tin fish. I'm into it. I think that it would be a it would be a fresh fish variant in which the different stores have relative tolerances in terms of how far they can be from certain buildings. Yeah. Right? Because something like um, squid, octopus, that sort of stuff, goes bad almost immediately. Your store has to be really, really close to the distribution site. Mm-hmm. But something like a, a salted cod, oh, you can, oh put, you can put it anywhere on the anywhere. board. Just, just let it just sit, put it out on the bench. You know, um, <laughs> I'm surprised... <laughs> 
<laughs> I'm surprised Vital Lacerda has not actually come up with a tin fish sort of game because he does hail from Portugal, which the Iberian Peninsula, as you mentioned before, mm-hmm. is like capital, especially Portugal. Portugal has like a huge tin fish culture. I'm surprised he has not come up with some sort of brain burnery game that's all about packing mackerel and sardines and oysters. I saw a uh, I saw a statistic a while ago. I don't know if it's still true. I don't know if it even it, it was true, but it it sounded to come from somewhat of an authority that said the two people on the planet that eat the most fish are the Japanese and the Spaniards. Oh, um, and I'm not sure why Portugal isn't there. I think they probably should be right. I think if they're not number three, then sounds then, like a study that was written by either a Spaniard or a uh, Japanese person. Maybe, but the the. I think it's because the tinned fish business is mo- like a, it's large Spanish companies that dominate all oh, that. Got it. I would have to push against that. I imagine there is an island country that the only protein is fish, and that is the protein that they eat. Whereas, like, Islands. Like I, I'm just saying, like I would I would push back against. Is, is Pitcairn a, a country? Uh, no, it's not actually. I think it's a territory. I think so. But so, still, I think the point. Still would stand that there's probably still like a smaller country that so is Micronesia Tuvalu sure like someone someone yeah someone okay. I, I have to believe Nauru it. so some country with a flag its own flag Palau Solomon yeah. Islands like, Cook Islands like there, there isn't a lot of cow being eaten there I don't Fiji you, you guys are doing great Christmas Island welcome to Island Talk everyone <laughs> Tonga <laughs> okay let's talk about something. Wallace and Futura <laughs> even though I could go all day here's the thing Ben and I both do the same world, uh, world geography world. we do a lot of geography puzzle games yeah. every single day and so we just went through like the laundry list of the hard to find countries when you're trying to like, obviously I just did a Wikipedia search on the Pitcairn Islands last night so uh, anyway games <laughs> half the and by the way we could talk. We could do an entire games. episode on on Pitcairn. It is fascinating. Really? The yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, well, first of all, the survivors and how many uh-oh. of the survivors. Stop, stop, guys, stop, guys, stop, we're, stop, we're, stop. we're playing we're games here. <laughs> okay, no Pitcairn. Okay, it's amazing. Speaking, you know, it's funny. You said the two. So, according to a study, the two countries that con- consume the most fish or yeah. ten, whatever. You said one of them. Japan. Japan and Spain. So funny that you should mention that because one of the games, the first game I would like to mention that uh, I played recently, I would like to talk about the wonderful, wonderful game, Iki. Still Uh, still trying to sell it. Still trying to sell it. You know, Iki has been on a tremendous journey. It started as a teeny game, small distribution, championed by by a podcaster who just had brilliant foresight and tastes a dollar and a dream. That's all dollar, he had when he right. came here. I'm talking about myself, everyone. Surprise! <laughs> no, um, this, this was obviously for anyone who listened to this podcast a few years ago. I was like, oh my god, there's this hidden gem. I love. Anyway, it was kind of uh, it was sort of brought out of obscurity by by a publisher. Sorry, we're French. They published it. It got great reviews. Of course, it would get great reviews. It's a great game. It's done very, very well for itself. It recently was nominated for the Kenner Spiel de Yaris, which to me, I was like, this is the wonderful journey for this this game that was small and overlooked. And now here it is, uh, like up for one of the biggest awards in board gaming. And it got and beaten by Twister. It got beaten by Twister. I don't know what the, I don't know. The game that won was something called Crusaders. I don't know anything about it. And I'm going. What, Crusaders Rex? I, I don't, I, I, I have no idea. I have no idea what Crusader. I, I believe that is the. Well, I got to check, but yeah. I, it, it might be the game. It might be Seth Jaffe's game. Seth no, Jaffe. It's not his. It's not. Okay, so Crusaders, not Crusaders, Thy Will Be Done, or whatever. Got it, got it. Okay. Um, but 
This game Crusaders won, so congratulations to that game. Don't know anything about it. We'll look into it. We'll, I'm sure we'll have lots of hot takes about it because it beat my beloved Iki. Anyway. Well, I love games that have non-controversial topics. Continue. <laughs> Crusading. Crusading. I think it's like, a, it looked, had the, I saw the image. It looked sort of like fun and silly. But um, the reason why I'm bringing this up, to, not only to, to herald the wonderful game that is Iki, but also an expansion for Iki just came out called Akanebo. And I just played the expansion with Candace and Jordan yesterday, and um, I really enjoyed it. I'm now at this pl- – before I get into it, I will say that I'm at a place now where I'm like, do I buy the new Iki again? Because I had the old Iki. Is this your third? Would, would this be your third? Or- it would be my third. Well, I had the old Iki. I bought the new Iki for when we reviewed the new Iki. But famously got rid of it, even though because he liked the art on the old one I better. Just, I like the art on the old one. I felt very connected to the old mm-hmm. one, even though the new one is arguably the better version. It has some rules tweaks. Uh, the graphic design is, is cleaner and easier. So it really is the one to get. I was like, but you know what, though? This is special. The, the old one's special. I'm going to keep it. Mm-hmm. So I gave it to my friend Brendan. Uh, who I mentioned last week, who got me Brendan Fong, Brendan Fong, who got me the Robo Trick and Schadenfreude from Japan last week. Oh, good for him. So, good see, for you. Yeah, and uh, I gave it to him. I was like, "Here you go." And now I'm like, "Oh, this expansion's fun. Do I have to get the game again and the expansion? Is this what's going to happen?" Oh no! Is this- I don't. Matt and I played uh, the the new Burgundy box, the Castles of Burgundy. You know. Yeah, the, 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 yeah. And, and there's a point where we're playing with our wives, and my wife goes, like, Oh, we should buy this. And I was going, like, Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, you know, I mean, should we mention what that we're going to review a game? I mean, we hinted oh, yeah, t- at it last week. Yeah, we should. Uh, we are going to, speaking of Stefan Feld, yeah, yeah. designer of Castles of Burgundy, we are going to do a deep dive on Amsterdam later this episode. So, so stick on by. So Hang on, on in by. there. But uh, speaking, speaking of Stefan Feld, man, uh, the thing about Castles of Burgundy is it'll leave my mind for a very long period of time. And I will, my eyes will pass over it on the shelf. Yes. Anytime I bring it out and actually play the game, I instantly fall back in love. It's like that high school girlfriend that you never Not quite familiar. Well, I understand. <laughs> <laughs> I'll go gender neutral. It is the, it is the high school flame that, uh, that, still that can not, still, still occasionally not, I had no high school flame. Oh, poor guy. <laughs> Poor guy. I was a high school player. And, and yet you made it, so, you're so far, you made it so far, Ben. Good for you. It anyway. pops back up again, and I'm just, I'm just smitten all over again. It's, it's a, such a good game. Yeah. Um, yeah, it, it is wonderful. Uh, I don't often reach for it just because it's been reached for so many times. It's like so many games. But let it's me like the you, village bike. Yeah, the, exactly. Everybody's it's, had a ride. It's true. In this case, with Burgundy. So with Iki, for those who want to know about what this expansion is all about, um, first of all, the base game, in case you don't know about it, you're basically, um, there's a marketplace and you're going through the marketplace and you are hiring vendors essentially, and you're putting them in stalls and you're visiting those vendors and getting their wares, but you're also hoping other people visit those vendors. Are you going to explain the whole game of Iki for a third time on the podcast? Oh, I'm, oh, you know what? Let, let's talk about fresh fish. Should we do that? <laughs> <laughs> let's do, let's go back to fresh fish. No, 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 no. But wait, uh, no, I, t- tell us about uh, what I want to know about is, uh, Akabono. I know. And you were going to hear about it very soon. So I'm just giving a literal general overview, which is that yeah. you're just going around a marketplace, going to the vendors, sure. et cetera. And it's a big rondelle game. So what Akinobo does is that it adds on a, a sideboard that's kind of like a it's kind of like a, a like a harbor. 
and there's little boats there. And so it adds another space onto the rondelle. And when you go there, um, there are these boats that I mentioned and you, the boats have different actions and you can use the actions. Is it like a floating market? Uh, yeah, that's exactly what it is. And so, uh, you can use the boat actions. Um, and when you use someone else's boat, cause everyone has a chance, you can build a boat, um, by just the way in the game you can build buildings. And so instead of building a building, you can build a boat instead. And so, if someone uses your boat, you advance up this boat track. And the advantage of the boat track is that um, it gives you additional income, but the income only comes after fires because there are three fires in the game that like cause lots of stress and drama. And so um, when the fires hit afterwards, you can get some income based on how far up you are in the boat track. And additionally, there's some other little things. Um, in the boat area, you can also welcome in a personality or a celebrity and that gives you sort of an ongoing power or maybe an instant thing that happens. Um, and K-pop bands and the K-pop. Yeah. It was really, really impressive or J-pop in in this case. Um, and then there's also, there's some like adjustments to the, I'll allow that. (laughs) (laughs) So, um, uh, there's also like some tweaks into how the, uh, flop of cards come out in terms of every season in the game. Uh, every actually every round of the game, there are sort of the vendors that you could possibly hire. There's like a flop of cards, and so there's been like a slight adjustment on that, which sort of moves them a little. So does the expansion make it better for you? Would you play without the expansion? So I would say, um, I don't think it's an essential expansion, okay. but I think it's a fun expansion. If I had the expansion, I probably would always play with the expansion. But if you don't have the expansion, I don't think that you. Like, it's, I don't think it's a situation where, like, oh, I must have the expansion. But because I love Iki, mm-hmm. and I'm, like, an, you know, I kind of feel Iki like fan. I want to have all things Iki, I am probably going to get the base game and the expansion. Um, I will say the thing that I think is the best about the expansion is when we talk about that floating boat market, there's always a boat that sells uh, fish and tobacco and pipes. And uh, in the game, those three resources... Uh, you you are trying to buy them for set collection, and they are really limited. And um, if you miss them, you miss them. And there can sometimes be a feeling like, oh, I was building towards the set, but this for this round, I didn't get the fish. And now, like, is it worth it for me to continue with this set? It kind of doesn't feel worth it. Like, what do I do now? There can be sort of like a hopeless feeling. Mm. And so it just gives one more opportunity sure. to get those elements that you need for your set. And what I really liked was I had the boat that had that stuff. I, I That was a boat that I selected. And I liked that I was sitting there playing with Candace and Jordan. And I was like, hey, guys, so does anyone want to come to my boat? Yeah, I know you want this fish. I know, Candace, you're trying to get that fish. Come get this fish. And I one of the best parts about Iki is that you do sort of like seamlessly step into the role of someone at a market being like, come on, come over to my stall. Like, you, want some, you, need, you need some fish? You need some fish? Come on. I, I got fish for you. You might as well get a fish now. I mean, don't wait till there. Like, you never know. Like, it's fresh. The, good the fish, fish. The fish is fresh. Fresh fish. Yeah, all things come back to fresh fish. <laughs> and done. Thank you, everyone. This is yeah. the Game Brand yeah. Podcast. That's right. I mean, we could even shoehorn it into Amsterdam if we have to. Yeah. We really could. Yeah. So anyway, um, I really I really enjoyed it. I will probably get it. We'll probably bring it to Game Night. You'll probably buy your third Iki set. And then and then make some choices after that. <laughs> <laughs> I probably will because it is honestly such a good game. I mean, mm-hmm. Paul, you Tom, have you played Iki? I forget. I have never played Iki. Okay, oh, well. is this why you're so this why you're so salty? This is why I am so <laughs> salty, like a, <laughs> like a fish. 
I am like a salt cod. I am like a salt cod that has been unwashed. Now it all makes. I'm just dripping in salt right now. Oh yeah, you would love it. I think you would really love it. I don't know. I had had a friend that was really really into it, and he never invited me to play. It was very sad. Oh, I think the last few times I played, I've been here actually. So. Oh, my bad. Yeah. My yeah. bad. What, what can I say? The problem, of course, is the same problem with Matt and I and, the, and, and everybody else is that when we're, you know, like last night we had, what, uh, 11 people. Um, we have to split up into yeah. these different games and invariably, well... You're so how, popular. How you're can so Ben and I play a game together if we need another game teacher at a different at, at a different game? So it's, it beca- it's it's hard sometimes for us to to play together on the larger I, game. I don't know. I think uh, I think yesterday was an example of how the new format will go. Like you know, everyone fend for themselves. <laughs> I, yeah, I have to say, I do think Mike Kananak uh, had an epic night. We can talk about it yeah, more like, if, we, if we want to. Keep the game right now. I'm done with Iki. Yeah, Iki's keep, great. Everyone should buy Iki. I think Iki is a collection essential. And if you want, get the expansion, Akanebo. Uh, Akebono. Akebono. <laughs> <laughs> you have, you have, I, I, I was like, I was like, don't, don't, don't correct him, don't correct him. Uh, but, yeah. No, no, you uh, should. Something like that. You yes. should. Akebono. Yes, exactly. Um, uh, king of the night. Yeah. So uh, he was king of the night. So we split up into we we had to play our game, and that was you and me and Paul. So we had mm. some some heavy hitters in, in our game. Um, Candace was here, and so Candace was uh, was running a game of Age of Discovery. Uh, no, no Terra Nova. Terra Nova, right? Terra Nova. In anticipation. Nova, right. In anticipation of Age of Discovery. Age of Discovery. Except precisely. Age of right. Innovation, I believe. Uh, right. And then my Canada said, yeah. you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take the rest of these people and uh, I'm going to teach them innovation and we're going to play some uh, some smaller games. They played some trick takers. And he just table captained up and, and crushed it. Yeah. Possibly yeah. riding off of... Uh, one of the one of the hallmark moments in Avalon history, he just the the bad guys had lost horribly. Mm, yeah. They were floundering, trying to figure out who who is Merlin. It could be anybody, and Mike was the assassin, and just said, "I think it's Aiden." No, yeah. you know what? I'm not going to be moved. You guys are making strong arguments for this and the other thing. No, it's Aiden. Aiden, are you Merlin? And he's like. Damn, yes, I am. And there were like no amazing. clues. It and was no, just... Yeah, no one... I, I was thinking to myself, okay, this... Because Mike Mike is like a chaotic player. Like, you never know what he's going to do. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. he, he, he's just... Smokescreen. He is... They, <laughs> they call him smokescreen for a reason because you just... You really never know what you're going to get with Mike. And he will do something wild. He'll be like, well, I think that the Merlin the ghost of tina turner so i'm gonna assassinate the ghost of tina turner and you're like what you can't do that but um uh he got it he like got it and then at the end of the night we played another game and it was a disaster everyone was super tired so so uh, yeah so like uh it was mike trey and i we were the bad guys and then mike and trey were on a mission uh, that didn't fail, that they were going to fail. And then Trey basically gave up. He goes, <laughs> Jordan goes, Trey, why did you look sad when the, the, the mission passed? And Trey was like, because mm, I'm bad. <laughs> and I was looking at Trey when this was, was happening too. And I saw it and I was like, do I, do I bring it up? And the Jordan brought it up. And I was like, I would bring it up later, but I'm like, oh my God, this is just amazing. And so boom, we just boom, ba- good guys, three missions in a row. Bad guys had very little information. Mike Kanak again was the assassin. Not a I, fluke. It again, wasn't a fluke. with little to no information, like like very little to go on. Little, just said like nothing. Chris, you you you're Merlin. Are you Merlin? And I was just like, like oh, God. damn it. 
And it was. It was yes. like two wild shots in the dark, and they both hit. And table captaining, it was just, it was, it was a, a rare all Mike Kananak night, and I love to see it. It was but, fantastic. But Mike, now that you, you you listen to the podcast, now you know, we know where the expectation level is. You have to perform at this level all yeah. the time. Yeah, sorry, Mike. <laughs> Otherwise, yeah, you uh, just you just promoted yourself, bud. Yeah, no, it was it was well, it was, it was. I guess you know when you do play these you know these games like games like Avalon, you know like you know we've obviously talked a lot like oh we shouldn't talk about Avalon, but only for special things or whatever. But one of the reasons why social deduction games or these big group games can be so fun is that you never really know when there is going to be kind of that like magical right. yeah. moment that can spring out of it. It doesn't magic, matter what magic Mike, magic Mike, magic Mike. <laughs> like when Mike took off his shirt and started, he magic, started giving a lap he goes, dance. He goes, Hey guys, you want to see Mike, magic Mike XL? <laughs> yeah. By the way, uh, along these lines of, of Avalon, um, you know, a few weeks ago on the pod, we talked about Tortuga 1667, I believe. Mm-hmm. I, um, uh, I was really excited when I bought that game mm-hmm. back in May. It was like the small game that I found at the Complete Strategist in New York a City. A little baby game. I and I was like... Mecca. Mecca. And I was like, ooh, I think I found a gem. We, I, play, I, I mentioned that we had played like a, I played like a six-player game sure. in May. That was very fun. We tried to do like a 10-player game uh, yes. a few weeks ago. Uh, didn't wasn't a full success. It was the wrong... It wasn't it, the it, game's it, fault. It, it was, was the timing. The vibe it was... 100% right. timing. 100% timing. It was one of those things where people wanted to play. We th- I thought it was going to be a 30-minute game because the previous game had been like 35 to 40 minutes. And this one went much longer because it was a bigger group and people wanted to play other games. So people were like, the vibe was not right for it. Never underestimate what certain members of our play group can extend a game into as far as timely. Okay, <laughs> we, we are, we are, and I put myself but, into that category sometimes too. Hello, we are capable of too. making this very long. Yeah, so, um, well, I actually had a, a quite a good time during the time that we play, we ultimately just actually cut it short because it's like, otherwise there will be no big chunky games afterwards. But, um, uh, a few days ago, Paul and I actually went to Barnes and Noble and right there on the shelf is Tortuga 1667. So it turns out it's a little bit more mass market. So here I found, I thought I found a hidden gem, (laughs) hidden gem. Nope. Barnes and Noble, everyone, you can get it at Barnes and Noble, Noble. Toys R Us, Target. Uh, To be fair, Barnes and Noble is, is stepping up their game. They're stepping up, but like, but like, Still, like when they step it up, they have it's 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 still pretty. I don't know. I feel like it's pretty big games, like pretty sure. well known games. Although they do have straight, they like have Cloud Age there. Yeah, sort of random. There, there was the last, you know, there's Wingspan. And we're we're mm-hmm. going. Oh, here's all these things that they have, and there's Tortuga. There's Tortuga, right? and it was and Tortuga for people who don't know is sort of like it's sold in this. It looks like a book, mm-hmm. and it's actually several games by that publisher come looking like they're in little books. So there were like three or four of those different types of games that were there, like Salem. They all have like a name and then a date afterwards. So uh, anyway, um, I, Tom, that was your first time getting like a taste of Tortuga. It seemed like you actually were having a a pretty good time with it. I was having a pretty good, uh, listen, I think that one of the things that happened was one of the very first cards that came up knocked out one of the two uh, uh, rowboats. Yeah, or tenders, or whatever, whatever you want to call it, but pinnaces, uh, I think, is what they would be in certain other games. Um, and that <laughs> pins—that's what it is in, in Francis Drake. That's, that's the wood. That's pinnace. the wood. The wood. In, Francis, in Francis Drake, that's what it is. I would love to have one. I guess I have pinnace envy. <laughs> it is, uh, and, and that really constrained the play space in in a in a yeah. way that I'm not sure. Is indicative of the game as a whole, yeah, but I had a great I, time. I had a great time playing it. I would like. I would love to 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 try it again. It'd be fun to see how the meta in that game would develop because yeah. in in that game, like 
it is similar to all these social deduction games where like you do kind of want to lie and bluff and say, are you French? Are you, are you French? Are you English? Are you maybe Dutch? And I was trying to do the honest game uh, to see how that would play. And but it turns out that everyone was able to suss out everyone's position pretty well. But who knows if we, there still were several rounds and there, there could have been like, some. It's exciting for me intrigue. because uh, I feel like after Avalon, I don't think we've, played a game where we, I go like, oh, this is worth investment in the, in the what you call it, the transitory condition of finding out a meta. Like, you know, like, I don't know if this is going to be that game. The reason being that the only way I start to figure out whether or not you're, you're British or Dutch or, or um, French, uh, French? Yeah. Yeah. Is when you move a treasure chest to the British point scorer or to the French point scorer, right? That's it. Mm-hmm. Well, I, 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 to push back, like, you know, when I played it, uh, the first thing I did was I exiled Trey. Uh, so it looked like he, he was British or he presented British. I exiled him and the boat was gone. So it was just me and Ben. Uh, and then Ben goes like, oh, Paul must be French. And so we're in this team together. And then I exiled Ben yeah. and I was actually British. So there's a lot of, there can be, I can see the potential for a lot of like, like switching back and forth depending yeah. on so like I, I I would be interested to see how the meta like you know develops because I, I absolutely agree with you what you're saying Tom but like I don't know in the steady state what it would wind up being yeah I yeah. mean I, I guess what I'm saying is is that since the only decision is very binary and one is and you can't do something if you're pretending to not be what you are you're actively helping the other side win yes but I so I totally totally agree and see that however the the way that i push back is that because the game has actually does have a certain amount of link to it you know i learned in that game with paul and actually even the game before i sort of did a semi honest thing was that if i really revealed my true intentions then if the if i found myself out of power mm-hmm. i was really out of power so i was i'm like oh next time i play it i'm actually just going to like try to lie for as long as possible until finally i can do the switcheroo. So I think it, but that's the tension of it, right? Because if yeah. you lie too much, you actually are helping the other side. But if you reveal too early, you could find yourself in a situation where they just don't allow you onto a pirate ship and you can't control anything. I guess that's the other part of it is like the out of power aspect to the game is, um, is Tortuga fun? Like when you're right. on Tortuga, is it at all fun? I would say the same with like, is Avalon fun without a meta where all of a sudden, uh, you're just doing things that are what we would call wrong, and it's just random. So, like, uh, th- that's why I mean, th- yeah. th- that's why I think yeah. it, it, I want to play more. Some yeah, scholarship say, would, would be interesting. I would say so far it's fun. Yep. Yeah, so far, and I do agree. That How much that, did it cost? Uh, it was I think it was like thirty dollars. Yeah, I, um, I think it'd probably be worth investment if you had a, a big game group that you yeah, like to play to a social. People. Yeah, um, and I do think that uh, I do agree that that card that closed out a rowboat um, really made it. I think that like if if you're playing with a big group of people and they've never played before yeah. and then you have a situation like that that really kind of alters the the normal flow of the game that is hard. Um but the game by the way does the, it's it's a very chaotic game where there's a lot of cards that get revealed and surprises and the and the designers basically saying the rules like look you can choose which cards you want to have in there it's like not a big deal. Right. Like you can have it be a random flop, you can choose which cards to be in there, you can have it that they're all aware like they're they're very open to mm-hmm, sure. i think they just want you to have fun and play with yeah. the roles you know cool. do you guys know if i talked about the new whiz war did i talk did i no, talk I about no i didn't i i saw this actually in the it, document it, i was it, like it, i did it, not know this. War, like fresh fish 
This is, but this uh, is new as war. There is there is Wizard water wall in the game. There's uh, a spell that uh, you can uh, cast. But other than that, I'm not fish. sure. I'm yeah, not sure you... how we're gonna shoehorn a fish into the story. But okay, we'll see. So I got the ninth edition of Wiz Man, War. How many editions have you edition. bought? Um, uh, you have the OG. Probably nine. <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't know. I mean, I bought, I bought a lot of I bought a lot of editions of it over the years. I got a very very old brown box mm-hmm. edition yeah, no. that I still love and cherish to this it's day. Like your Iki. It kind of is. Wait, it, it and kind we, of is. So you have the old brown box version. Yep. And you have the ninth edition. And I and I had and and sold the gussied up fantasy flight edition. And you did did you sell it because you just you didn't they made changes that you didn't like? Yes. So the point is this: they tried to make it a real game. But so the point is this though: mm. me getting Iki and having OG Iki is not crazy. Well, no, the point no, is, of course not. The, the point is like you two are basically the same person. Do you know how yeah. many do, <laughs> we are? We, we are, the same should be dating. Do you know how <laughs> many? You. Do you know how many editions of Demacher I own? Oh, I thought uh, the answer is one of all of them. Every single really? uh, every single one going all the way back to okay. the blue box first edition. I'm I go buying one of, today. But but is there like one to rule them all? Yes, mosquito. the mosquito edition. Exactly right. <laughs> Second edition, fantastic. Even I know that, Paul. I'm Come just, on, uh, stop. <laughs> <laughs> so the ninth edition is they got the rights back to it, and uh, Steve Jackson Games put it out. Now, I have a tremendous nostalgic fondness for Steve Jackson games because when I was playing games before this hobby existed, really. Before you invented this hobby. I did not. Do not claim to. But the, <laughs> the, the there were these little plastic boxes with really cheap pull tabs on the side when you would open it up and it'd just be paper map and little chits that were the thinnest, like to call it cardboard is an insult to cardboard. They were the thinnest little things. And there were games like Ogre. Um, there were games like Illuminati. There was the uh, awful green things from space. There were these games that were just these little pocket games. You could put it in your, the back pocket of your Wrangler jeans and and go off mm-hmm. and, and play these games with some friends. And for its time, they were an absolute delight. They were amazing. They were the only non- you know, Toys R Us, non-Parker Brothers type games where'd, that were out there. Did you get them at hobby shops? Yes. Yes, Which you I would feel get like the hobby local. shops are a thing of the past. Do they even exist anymore? Uh, they're basically the same thing as friendly local game stores. That's basically yeah. the same thing. I will say that in, in Japan, they are still exactly the same things. That that the there's there's a uh, floor where you go for the models and the model planes and all that sort of stuff, yeah. and then the ne- and the next floor has the has the games. Um, so I have a great fondness for them. Car Wars was another one that they, that you would have in those little boxes. Um, going back to them, are they great? No, they were they, they were they were not great. But when no, they, they were literally great. They, they were, were they were great. They, they were past tense <laughs> great. They might not hold up to today's standards. Correct. Like you know, they don't. Yeah. But getting the rights back to Wiz War and like, okay, we're gonna put out actual Wiz War again. The problem with like Fantasy Flight put out a gorgeous, gorgeous game, and I really believe that their heart was in the right place. They're like, we are going to blow your mind. We're gonna take a beloved classic. And we are going to update it. We're going to add Euro rules, and we're going to add a magic system to it. And we're just mm-hmm. going to trick it out, and people are going to have their minds blown. And we played it, and we didn't love it. We were just like, it kind of took all of the fun. There was a, it was a beer and pretzels game that they made into Trismegistus. They made it into a a, a uh, 
medium weight euro or a light medium weight euro and it just didn't it just didn't spark it didn't spark at all even and i acknowledge the work and time that went into it and the design of it is gorgeous absolutely gorgeous game too many notes yeah just horrible Mm. horrible so when they were gonna put it back to its roots i was like oh can't wait can't wait can't wait i've played it i had a great time playing it i am gonna hang on to it and keep it but I got some notes for Steve Jackson games. I don't it, like this is the new the ninth the, the new, new ninth edition, edition the new, new, that is just out. So you have it. I have it. We have played it several times. Um, it's like it's like if you're gonna put out a ninth edition, like like what they did was they went old school and they, and they went. It looks graphically like my brown box edition very much, mm-hmm. uh, with a couple updates, but but pretty much, which means it looks kind of junky it's not great it's not great right it's, mm-hmm. it's not great which is fine if you're going for that nostalgia thing but then follow through like there are not enough cards there are not enough spells in this game like there's enough to play kind of the basic game but when you're coming off a fantasy flight that had you know five different magic classes and so many different spells and all that sort of stuff and when you're looking back at classic Wiz war I had, you know, several expansions. The the game that I have there has several expansions of it, so it's got a lot more cards. Why are you putting out kind of a base level edition again that adds nothing? That is basically just simply turn back the clock to 1988, mm. and that is what you're buying. You're I, have, buying I, have an answer, I have an answer why you might do that. It's the same as Doctor Who. Like, you know, like there is a new group of people who have come in who don't know old Wiz War. And this is, you know, they need to die. If they're going to in- get into it, they'll need to digest it at this level. There are people who, oh, Doctor Who's a TV show. I'm like, what? <laughs> what? Uh, yes. Uh, and, you know, and they're, they're people who are super old school British Doctor Who. And, you know, they're people who. Ben, ben is still confused. Yeah, yeah. Um, a, a television Tardis. show is, is when um, there are actors that play God, people man. on television. Mm-hmm. And there, there, there's a script that is written for them. Like I know what you watch is is kind of scripted, but it's a little mm-hmm. different. Yeah, yeah. So like, like it, it probably isn't designed for you. It's probably designed for people who could be you now. <laughs> See, I don't think that's true. But you, you don't have that perspective because like you're old and crusty. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I think that it is aimed firmly at me. And I believe that the reason that they don't have the spells is because they want to sell me expansions. That that could be a true statement. Have you thought about getting into the business of like wrangling some of the rights of these sort of older games and like putting out the version that you would really want, like a democker? Like, I mean, Wizwar. I mean, it sounds like they just wrestled back right, so it's probably they probably have those rights for a little while. But like, mm. I feel like this sometimes happens. Like, we talk about Tribune, we talk about Demacher, we talk about even Fresh Fish or any of these games that you're like, oh, well, I have this version. Like, I'm sure some of these games, it might not be that hard to get the rights and like try to figure out a way to to publish. Or, or I mean, like Indonesia, when there's this Indonesia. new map, you know that like you know you can uh, print and play a map that you can really yeah. make the, make it work because Indonesia's biggest problem is the map doesn't work. Yeah, I will kill you. <laughs> I will murder it's, the it's two. It's very of you. nice. It's very nice, but maybe not remarkable map. Look, it's I'm on not as I'm on day anymore. 95 of the strike, so maybe I will have to uh, look that's what into I'm that. Saying. Like it might be like a fun side project. Put, Put your pen where your mouth is. <laughs> because you know what? The, the the classic move is you go from 
uh, from screenwriting, uh, you know, Hollywood movies to uh, game design. Re- to, to, well, not even no r- uh, reclaiming old game designs and and uh, refurbishing and putting them back out again. Well, I don't think it's a crazy idea because you you see these random companies that spring up and just do it. And so um, I don't know. I think, I think it's, you know, a, it's a road less problem. When, I, when I'm when, when I'm done with screenwriting, I think I think I will. I think you'll see me. We, we putting out a game or, or so, so next week <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe <laughs> i mean this is what i'd like to see you're not wrong <laughs> this is what i'd like to see whiz war parentheses tom's version it, it's like, oh. like, like like taylor swift did uh, a whole bunch of albums with her new new yeah. the versions of you know of her old albums so you could have a whole series of like you know arc nova tom's version <laughs> <laughs> i mean i do great. think that my, i do think that my version of democker for an for an american audience for for a I western actually, audience is like i think is legit legitimately, uh, yeah. tom I, I think i think you would uh you become bgg famous i'm serious like you know like you, you, I think you, this you is start, something this is this is i, I Hey, audience! Like, how many of you would like to see Tom's versions of various games and his, his rules? You know, and you're not. You, the, the truth is, you know, a lot of important people around town. I feel like you could sort of. I feel like you could find a graphic designer that you would need. I think you could. I think you could get this all together. I think. I don't think it's. I don't think it's a crazy and, 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 thing. And if it blows up, then 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 you'll shut up. <laughs> I mean. And okay. that's that's where the plan broke down. <laughs> um, I would like to talk about um, a game that Paul and I played last weekend called Twenty One Moon. Twenty One Moon. Oh Ooh. my goodness! I lost so much money in Vegas playing Twenty One Moon. <laughs> it does sound a little bit like that. Oh my god! It, it, in it was, Macau, it was. It, <laughs> that was difficult. I, I thought I had blackjack, and then they said, "Oh no, that's a red jack." And Twenty One Moon or red jack is worth zero. I'm like, wait, what? Yeah, Twenty One Moon. Uh, even though it does sort of sound like a card game in Vegas, um, it is not as the exact opposite. It is. It's basically. Wait, 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 wait. The exact opposite of a card game in Vegas. Let me see. Let me see. Still in the game space, I should say. Oh, okay. Well then, <laughs> then I got nothing. It's an alpaca <laughs> with an umbrella. Alpaca with a. It's cappuccino. an alpaca that can work an abacus. <laughs> yes. Um, so, uh, Paul and I and Candace, we, we, uh, we gathered to play in front of the pod, games. right? What? Friend of the pod. Scott. Yeah. Well, I, well, that was, the oh, oh, my, my bad, my bad. Sorry. I jumped. I, I jumped. said we I gathered jumped. to play games with Scott Peterson, who oh. is the, uh, who runs all aboard games, which produces some of the currently produces some of the games that like the 18 the most games. beautiful productions of 18xx by far like i think the that they are like the like his company is putting out like the best 18xx is uh 1822 1817 18 chesapeake all these games i keep forgetting handled. um uh, sicily is um 49 49 yeah 49 yeah 82 um uh, he has tons of these games on his website uh all aboard games really just like uh, you know, when you talk about how um, Wiz War or these chits or whatever, you know, my understanding of 18xx, because I've come in sort of, you know, I'm a recent devotee, sure. you know, is that a lot of these games for a long time were available kind of in the same production as that original Wiz War. You know, print oh, and play. It, pla- generally a large gallon size plastic bag, zip to- zip lock bag. Yeah. And in there, there was the, you know, get the scissors and cut out the, it's like the, the, the chits. Yeah, yeah it, it, was a, uh, it, it was somewhere out there. There's a, a old 
crusty 18xx player who's been playing for a while and like looking at all these new 18xx's and they're going like oh i see what you're doing but it's just not for me like you know like you're, do, you're doing it right. you're doing trying it right. to make it the euro game yeah like you I, know. I, I have my little i have my little doohickey with the with the tiny little suction cup on the yeah, end of it yeah, and I that's all i need that. so um uh so, and I'm not saying that all these, I have no idea what 1822 or 17 or what their original production was like, but Scott is putting out just these beautiful versions of these games. And, you know, obviously I've been going on yammering wherever I can, talking about how people like want to bring more people into 18xx. And these games have really, I think they are really wonderful because the presentation is very slick and clean and it just helps people come in. And the rules And the rules are wonderful. So anyway... Um, so we played with Scott, and uh, we played two games with Scott. The first game we played was um, Rolling Stock Stars, which is kind of like a card-based uh, 18xx game, and that's designed by Bjorn Rabenstein. Sort of, sort Bjorn of. Rab- wait, the Bjorn Rabenstein. The Bjorn Rabenstein. Bjorn Rabenstein. I'm not sure if everybody knows this, but he was voted this year the most Swedish Jewish person. And he also won most Jewish Swedish person. See, there you go. It's huge, and that was how we started our can. How we got that, to that, that we, we, I, fish. We got I into, said he probably likes pickled herring. And then, and then, we, and then we started going off there, all. like, and we started to say, "Do you do you like smoked fish?" And once again, Ben and I found another compatibility that we love smoked canned and pickled fish of yeah. all varieties i can't wait till he like huge. you know he, he writes in and goes hey just so you know i'm neither he's swedish like, nor jewish i'm he's like, I, I'm, I think i'm I from think, zambia i'm gonna stand by the joke i think the joke is solid the the name is bjorn robinstein i gotta go with it okay yeah rolling so rolling stock stars we played uh are kind of a funky card based 18xx ish game yeah, you know, like, I wasn't a big fan of it because, like, I guess the way I would describe it is, like, it reminded me of Rex. Is that what, you know, the Dune? Yes. Yeah, it remind, and so you, you, you have, I love Dune. Rex being the, the Dune re-theme in the world of Twilight Imperium. And uh, and the Dune map has a certain look about it and things made were clear. Rex did the same thing. And it was basically the Dune map, but, like, it was uh, abstracted in a way that I couldn't see, uh, you know, what was happening. And I felt like uh, the way that Scott was explaining this game, it was like, oh, here is 18xx without the board. Yeah. And then it got abstracted in such a way that I go like, I don't, it doesn't feel like an 18xx to me because I don't have the board because I don't see how these connections are made. And I go like, oh, it's really interesting how presentation will affect how because mm-hmm. i can see how this is like 18xx i can yeah. see that abstractly but my experience with it was not that it was it was it was i was it felt it, different yeah it felt like i was just collecting cards and like trying to make combos but like it didn't feel like an 18xx so yeah i thought it was um i thought it was an interesting experiment to see if you know if 18xx could be translated into a card-based thing i don't know if it was necessarily for me uh, i also just i just like a board etc and i'm also i i've i've said on this podcast many times i generally i'm i'm less into uh card games for the sake of can we translate this into a card game then like does it need to be a card mm-hmm. game you know, like mm. when we when we talked about Arkwright, the card game. But I think that there there will be plenty of people who will yeah. find it to be a very fascinating game because there was a lot of there's a lot of strategic depth to it, hundred percent. And there's like a lot of funky stuff going on. Um, like, but I just like a good old classic 18xx. I, I wonder if someone had to go like, here, here's this card game, and had no 18xx, like you know, framing right. for it. If, I, I think I would have the, a 
much different experience. I think so too. Uh, but it still wasn't really interesting. Mm -hmm. But then afterwards, we played 21 Moon, which um, is designed by um, Jonas Jones. And uh, that one uh, is currently in the witness protection program. <laughs> Jonas Jones. <laughs> uh, and so this one, I don't know when this one's actually coming out to retail. Uh, I think I, I feel like there was a Kickstarter maybe behind it or not a Kickstarter, but uh, they'll have uh, for all board games have these sort of waves of things coming out. But um, 21 moon is essentially 18 XX on the moon. And um, love I, it. Yeah. Honestly, and the moon map is one of my favorite Age of Steam maps. So why not? Why not put it on the moon? And I think that um, Space Corp was a 18xx essentially, and yeah, that that's in that's in space fairing okay. sort of situation. So yeah. I, th I think that like if there's a game that could maybe get some crossover appeal, it might be Twenty One Moon because I think um, the moon setting and some of the components in the game we played, I think prototype mm -hmm. like a, like a very like far in development prototype. Sure. But um, I think that it could appeal to people who the idea of playing a stock game with a bunch of trains may feel dusty and boring to them. I think the moon setting is actually, it does actually feel kind of like exciting, and, exciting and, and enthralling. I mean, if, if they've played Terraforming Mars, they know about corporations and, mm -hmm. you know, the, the, their future in, in space. So buying stock, et cetera, et cetera, kind of feels like a fit right like, i will say for me like you know uh the thing that makes it like as far as like a crossover is like it has the same vienna uh 18x vienna what what number is that oh yeah, 1840 1840 yeah like tramways of vienna and yeah. basically it uh it minimizes rusting first mm -hmm. and it has a fixed you can see where the end of the game is and i think like with 18xx like one of the hard things about 18xx is definitely the rust and but more that like you don't know when the end of the game is because it's abstracted in the stock market often or or the money. Yeah. Whereas this, you can see, oh, in this many moves, in this many turns, the game is over. And I think that's a great way to enter. And so like when you look at the moon, it's exciting with the moon. So uh, and you know that here's where the game ends. I think that's a good access point for people. Yeah, and also visually, not only is it, it's the whole map is gray, but uh, what what they do with this game that's that's actually sort of innovative is that the tracks, a typical 18xx game, the tiles will, will be hexes, and these are still hexes, and the tracks will just be these black lines. Mm -hmm. And um, you start with a yellow hex, which you can upgrade to a green hex, to a brown hex, and so like the literal color of the hex is that, but you still have these black lines. These, all the hexes are gray, but the tracks are not single lines. They are sort of like thick lines. And so if you're, if it's a yellow tile, it'll be a thick yellow going through the gray, which then becomes a thick green. And so it, the map sort of maintains the look of a, of a moonscape, mm -hmm. um, which is, uh, which is, I think just visually appealing. It just makes it accessible, but I also don't want to, um, uh, undersell the fact that it was also a really good game. Yeah, no, it was like, it, it had, it, Brought some really fun twists to an 18xx game. Um, Would it shock you if I told you this game came out in 2020? I yeah, I, I saw that it's 2020, but I'm not sure that it's. It's like I think maybe the designer maybe he made like a small batch or something. Maybe and now, so now like it's, it's and now all aboard is putting out the big, big nice version. But um, there were some really cool innovations. One is that in the game. Um, you sort of have your, your train company has kind of like two home bases I think they're called like, like a space base and the local base, right? Yeah. Paul? Yep. Something like that. 
Is it research or something? Is it something like that. Something like, like that. So, based, so there's a central hub on the moon. Spaceport. So like imagine in 1822, there's London yeah. where there's all those yeah. for t- a million tokens. In the Sea of Tranquility, there's... Yeah, base, right there's a base there. there, right? Yeah. 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 It's right at the, you know, like in the old silent film where the, the spaceship crashes into the moon. Uh, in Georges Méliès' uh, Voyage to the Moon? Yes, specifically into that. Into the one. eye? Yes, it, that's where the space base is. It, you got it. It, it. You know, because we're not a video medium, like you can't see this, but like there's such the smugness on Tom's <laughs> face as he says it. I'm got, like, my eyes are like, I the eye the, roll that Paul gave right now, I, really, I seriously like, thought he... I, I've, I've injured myself. with my, my eyes have injured themselves. Like, you know, I, I got to ice them now. <laughs> so there's like this one location... Look, I got a degree in this thing. I better, I better occasionally have something to throw in on this subject. So there's like one location on the map where everyone, every company has presence there. Yeah. Like they all have like a home token there. And then everyone has another home station somewhere else. And so you build track from both locations. But when you run trains... Uh, your player board is such, and by the way, the fact that there is a player board, normally there are not player boards in this game, but you actually have a player board and each company has its own player board. And you basically decide it, you assign your trains to either the, the main space base or the local base. And so if it's, that's going to determine wh- the tr- which base the train is going to run out of. Um, so there's some choices between how you like, where you put your trains in your company. Mm-hmm. And furthermore, the local base, that income goes into your company's treasury while the space base pays out to the, the stockholders. Stocks. So like how you develop your tracks and is going to really impact how you uh, impact your stockholders and your company. So, And that was just one of the innovations in the game. Yeah. But that one was the one that was most striking to me that I really loved. So uh, on the scale of... 18xx in terms of you know their the 1862 is pretty transgressive. Just a there plus. several different types of trains and it really yeah. messes with the the meta in a lot of ways. How transgressive is 21 Moon? I mean, I like what Paul just said right there. Just be plus. plus, but I feel like okay. there's still enough. No, it, yeah, it, it, I have to say, it, you know what? It was interesting about the game, the arc of the game. I really liked because the first half or so. I thought, oh, this is nice. It's going on nicely. It felt like very kind of like sort of like a Chesapeake, mm-hmm. sort of like more like not a lot of frills or some stuff. Straightforward. Straightforward. But as the game evolves a lot, there's a lot of emergent um, strategy. Mm-hmm. And, and a lot of the the elements of the game, like a lot of the, the MacGuffins of the game, really started to present themselves later in the game. And I thought that was a really good arc. And that's also a really good arc for people who are new to it, you know, where it's kind of straightforward in the beginning, but then as it goes along, you're like, Oh, I need to get from there to there so I can get this bonus. Um, so I think it's going to, I think it's going to be a hot title when it comes out. Good. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah. Um, but we're not going to play it with you, Tom. In oh, an yeah, effort, well, you guys certainly don't really include me in your 18xx plays, that's for sure. Paul, by the way, I forgot to mention, tomorrow, I don't know if I can make it to the Iki in 21 Moon. Oh, matter. no, no, no. Oh. That, 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 that's sorry. That's, oh, gee, I'm, if, sorry, if, if I'm only, sorry. If only there was somebody you could call that might be able to join. If only. Yeah, but there's nobody. Yeah, so 21 Moon, keep an eye out for it yeah. if you're if you're into 18xx or 18xx curious. I would like to um, make this podcast something that people that don't play 18xx still want to listen to. So I would like to talk about innovation for a minute. Oh, sure. Uh, played innovation uh, earlier earlier this week with some with some folks, and was just reminded how much I love how much I love that game. It is every bit as imperfect as um, Glory to Rome. 
it is very swingy. You you never know if the game is going to go long or short. Our plays went very short, and yet I still was like, oh, just I love the design of this. And it just so happens that there is a new edition of innovation that is coming out called Innovation Ultimate 2024. It is going to contain five ex- the base game and five expansions. Wow. Now, if that sounds a little like deja vu, it's because there I bought deluxe innovation which had yeah f- the base game and four expansions mm. and now they have a whole new uh, uh thing coming out and i was about to get very i was i was going to get my hackles up i was going to be like how dare you put out this and then salty put it like a little hackle yeah little baby hackle until i looked and i saw that oh actually what i bought was in 2017 and this is now going to be coming out seven years later Mm. i think seven years later you're allowed to put out an an ultimate edition and 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 make something different well one hopes it innovates well that's kind of one of the things i want to talk about so (laughs) it's like dad jokes but not quite (laughs) so when i was looking into this and i was still in my salty space because i hadn't checked the years yet um, I saw that they said they're introducing a new 11th era of cards. Okay. And I was like, ooh. And then I immediately thought about it. And I was like, oh, the salty me just came right out. I'm like, what are you talking about? Like, how many times does this game ever go to round 10, let alone not resolve in round 10 and go to round 11? But uh, 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 not so fast. Evidently, Carl Chuddock, who's the designer and who we have a love that knows no bounds, Carl Carl is amazing. Um, he says that he is tweaking the cards of the game so that an 11th round will be something viable. Okay. Now, one of the things is the 10th round, all the cards in the 10th round are super-powered kind of game-ending cards. They're kind of designed to be that way. So if you're going to have an 11th round of cards, you have to mitigate that somehow. But I hope and I believe that what he's trying to do is trying to mitigate exactly what I just said is the one negative to innovation, which is it is kind of swingy. It is kind of glory to Rome. There are so many card combinations that can come into your tableau that you just run, run ragged over all of the other players, grab those achievements and end the game very early, you know, or well before people think that it's going to end. That happens with some great frequency. Um, so if he's really doing this, if he's really uh, balancing the game, which is a, by the way, I, I, I'm not throwing any shade on, on Carl Shuttuck. This is a super hard thing to do because the game is very innovative in terms of the way cards are played and in, way, in the ways in which the cards are used. It is a very, very interesting system, and it is very hard to to balance a system that has so many different combinations that can yield unexpected results. But if he's actually trying to do that, gosh darn it, child, child I'm probably going to buy an Innovation Ultimate. I, I want to play it before I buy it, for sure. You're going to really eke it up. I, 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 might, I might have to. Up. I yeah. might have to. I, I haven't played Basically it Basically the same person. <laughs> I haven't played it in a long while, but I but I I really do love that game, and I was reminded I, of it. I played it for the second time in my life back in May. Um, the first time I played it was a few years ago, and it ranked as one of like the bottom three gaming experiences. Like I hated it. I hated it. Hated it from the depths of my soul. I hated it. Uh-huh. Second time I played it, I had much more fun, 
And I still, I was because the bass type was so low. <laughs> no, but I was like, maybe. No, but like, uh, I mean, I think I'm also a different player. Oh, sure, sure. As well. And I don't know, maybe it was a different vibe, different environment, or who knows what it was. But um, I was telling Jordan uh, that um, it still is not a game that I'm going to reach for. But now, and it's never going to be one that I'm going to suggest that we play. But if I have to play it, I will, I know I can have fun with it now, even though it's still not a game that's really ultimately for me. Okay. Oh, there so we go. I'm saying Fair like it's, I think it's cool that like it was able to present a whole new experience sure. for me yeah, the like second it. time around. I mean, it is it, maybe it, the third time I'll be oh, I'll I'll that, I will have but that, that, that was a very qualified over. no but. It, it's, <laughs> listen, it's a, it's an it's an hour game. That's really what it is. It's not going to be it's not going to be longer than that. It can, most. it can be shorter than that. Exactly. Yeah. So within that context, kind of civilization in an hour there's always going to be um, things that it doesn't do and doesn't doesn't do right and doesn't and doesn't do well. But the question think, is, is, can it be a fun experience? Yeah, I think the first time I just got beat up on. It was one of those things where, like, oh, like I was the one who like, like maybe maybe have... like uh, the eleventh level card is like Mad Max. Like you know, you get to round ten and then boom, <laughs> famine. You know, <laughs> nuclear war. I got gasoline. <laughs> Uh, but people love it. People love innovation. So maybe, I don't know, maybe I'll get there. Um, another game that I would love to talk about, uh, my last game that I want to talk about before. Uh, like oh, good. I only have one more, too, because we do need to get to our review. Yes, exactly. Um, speaking of. Don't I get one? <laughs> well, this yeah. One, this Paul, one what do you Paul want to talk about? Paul, Paul, no, talk no, about? I got nothing. Yeah, Paul's got nothing. <laughs> well, Paul played this game with me also. Uh, I played this with Matt. Uh, classic art by Reiner Knizia. Also just recently got a revamp, a fresh new coat of paint a lot of these games we're talking about have fresh new coats of paint um so classic art it's not the sequel to modern art it actually classic art has been around for it's one of the reiner canetti games that was like dug up from the 90s and i think it was even called something like something's clubhouse did something. did we mention that when i said that he puts out 20 games he put out yeah. 20 games a year back in the time and somebody on, on discord one of our one of our listeners did the math and saw how many games he put out and how long he's been designing games and he said that his average games per year is 21 right because you said 20 i said like, 20 actually tom it's 21 <laughs> it's 21 games a year it's <laughs> really absurd so this one um i think you know, it's it's called classic art. It has really nothing to do with modern art, um, except maybe a th- sort of thematically, they they can go well together. But it's how would you describe it, Paul? Like a game of prediction? Yeah, yeah, like it, sort it, of predicting it, speculation. Exactly, that's one hundred percent. Like what you're basically doing is you have a few markers that, that you can bet on, and you're trying to see, like you know, which uh, I guess gallery is going to hit what it needs to hit, and you have multipliers, and there are various things where you you can adjust how many pieces of art are in the gallery and you, you, yeah. you, you play that it's, it, it's like if you play it and you've played a lot of games, you played this game before, maybe not in this setting and how this is abstracted. And yeah. I, I think it's really fun. Yeah, it was. So what's interesting about the game is when I read the, I got it cause I just, I like the idea of a game called classic art. I was like, I know I can get this to the table with some friends who just enjoy playing a game with art. Uh, cause it has real art on it. Uh, well, I, I shouldn't say real art, but it's, I should say art that is uh, like established art, like Vermeer, you know, right. uh, like like Girl with a Pearl Earring, like real art. Real As opposed art. to all those real posers art. these days who yeah, think they're so artists. Dismissive. I'm yeah. terrible. I'm a terrible person. But um, You're basically the same person. <laughs> <laughs> but what's what's interesting about the game is that at the at the beginning of the game, uh, everyone gets dealt out a, like a series of cards. I don't remember if it's like five, six, seven, mm-hmm. something like that. 
And those are going to be the only cards that are going to potentially come out over the course of the round. There's nothing that comes from the deck. So it's a set number of cards and the cards, everything is just like a painting and they're split up into, I think about five or six different genres of paintings. And on your turn, you're essentially going to play a card from your hand into the appropriate gallery. You're going to play a sculpture into the sculpture gallery or, uh, you know, like a still life into the still life gallery. Mm-hmm. Uh, maybe you do two cards. I don't remember. It's, it's been about a month since we played, mm-hmm. so I'm a little hazy on the finer details. But essentially, all you're doing is you're just kind of like slowly everyone's revealing what's in their hand over the course of the game. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, the round. and But you also, every time you do that, you have a chance to bid like, ooh, I think that still by the end of this round, uh, still art is, uh, still life is only going to have, it's going to have three, three works, or yeah. fewer works yeah. in it. Mm-hmm. Or maybe you say, oh, I think it's going to have I think it's going to have six or more works in it. And so you are just speculating and there's like, there's some, there are some controls you can affect the, you can affect the numbers that are going to come out a little bit, but not that much. It's purely speculation. And so I kind of thought like, this will be interesting. I don't really see where the game is going to be here, except for just basically Mm -hmm. bidding. But it turns out there was more to it than met the eye as in most Reiner Knizzi games. That's that's his thing, right? It yeah. look it looks simple. It looks like this this is kind of nothing. And then you play it and you're like, oh no. There's what, a lot of game there. When I was playing it, like, you know, completely different skin and com- and pretty much different mechanics. Oh not anyway, it reminded me of Colossal Arena. Where like here here there it's going I b- to- believe it, isn't it isn't it related to Colossal Arena? Isn't it? I, I, I think it is. I've but, never heard of Colossal Arena. Uh, but like you know, but like there is you know like things are going to happen. You're you're adjusting the uh, the the market and you're betting on successive phases. Sometimes you bet early because you can get double. You know, mm-hmm. and, and as as you know, as you go further down, like different slots get uh, taken, so you can't bid there. So you know, but you know, it, it's all this same genre of game. Yeah, and and so what happens is you have these little betting tokens. And at the end of the round, for everything that you got right, you get your you get points, and then you get your tokens back. For every, but for every incorrect bet you make, you actually lose that token. So that means that the next round, you have fewer things to bet on, which means that you actually are probably not going to make as many points, which means you might be driven to make a wilder bet. Um, and then you're like, well, I want to make a wild bet, but I don't want to lose another token. So then it's like, when do I, when do I place that, that bet? You know, what do I do? But the, the, the twist is... That if you lose all of your tokens, you get them all back. You get them all back. So you're actually encouraged to make some crazy bets, mm-hmm. knowing that you'll probably lose them. So that way you can get a whole bunch of tokens back. Right. So then you're trying to be the one who has the most betting tokens at a moment when everyone has fewer betting tokens. Okay. Like the, the worst case scenario is like you you lose all your uh, tokens but one, and you keep hitting that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then, so you're right. It is it's betting and hand management, yeah. which is colossal arena. I mean, that's yeah. the combination yeah. of yeah. colossal arena. And then we had a really funny situation that happened, which is that um, you know, as you get po- you get points in every genre. Mm-hmm. So like if I bet well in sculpture, I'm gonna get six points in the sculpture genre, let's say. And so again, there's like five or six tracks, and there's like a line. So basically if you have fewer than um five Five, five, points, five yeah. points in a genre. Those are just those points just won't be counted. At the they, end they, of don't, the game. they don't count. And so you need to get above that line to get those points at the end of the game. And mm-hmm. furthermore, the game only ends once every track has at least one person above that line. So we had a situation where Matt looked like he was clearly in the lead, and so he needed to end the game, and he needed to end the game for sculptures. And so 
Um, what are we, what do we do? Because the game wound up going on for like because two or no three one months. no one could get their uh, their thingamajigger over the five in in sculpture, so the game would not end, and everyone was just stuck there until. But we, but we were there was something about the psychology of that moment where we're like we can't have sculptures do well, so we were actively hurting think, hurting sculptures that way we could we could bring up our other like you know still life and stuff like that because like you know there was a point where Matt was winning where he had enough points to win if the game would end. And so we kept on prolonging the game. So we could be in it. So, so that Ben could win. <laughs> well, but then on top of that, though, there was a situation to where, like, given that this could end any moment, I have to make really big bets and sculptures so that way I can get in and get above that line right out the gate. It's hard to describe, but the point was that because of the nature of how of the where the players were at, it affected how we were all playing, and it affected actually how these galleries unfurled. So, what seemed to be a pretty straightforward game of just predicting turned out to actually have hidden layers, like in it, a, and that was a really tactical cool. layer that was yeah, yeah uh, it, was, it was very cool. I highly recommend you check out Colossal Arena if you can. It's it's a classic that we don't really talk about, but it's it's kind of an amazing game. It's mind blowing in terms of how much a little box of just cards and a couple chips. Mm. Uh, yields a really richly rewarding um, Definitely. Uh, bidding game for sure. Um, and the last two, I forgot. I, there's one oh, I want to talk about. So, but I'll be super quick. People here for be super quick. Okay. I never played Heat. I finally played Heat. Jordan brought Heat like and we it? played it. Racing game. Um, it's just a racing game. Um, I like it. So, yeah. So, racing games have a ceiling for me. This is the best racing game I've ever played. Wow. Okay. But 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 there's but it's still, a but, it's still, but there's a ceiling. <laughs> but there's a ceiling. Um, I really enjoyed it. I saw. I, I thought there were a lot of really great design elements. Very well thought out. Um, I'd like. I would. Uh, this is how much I liked it. I liked it so much that I wouldn't mind playing a Grand Prix, which is you play a little bit of a ca- mini campaign yeah. over the course of a night where you play several different races and you can upgrade your cars and all that sort of stuff. And I liked it enough that I would actually go in for that and, and, and try that yeah. out and, and, and do that. So I, I enjoyed it. I liked the, there, there were some very interesting Euro-y mechanics that were thrown into the design of the game. The, the, tactical card play that you have to do the, the the ways in which the game kind of has catch-up mechanisms for for people but really it's it's about uh hard decisions and hand management all the time and i thought i thought it was really good i i quite enjoyed it good. so i'm yeah. glad i finally played I it it's super fun and then the last thing is um here i stand is making a is making a comeback candace is uh, is gonna be playing here i stand this week and did not know that I stand hard for here I stand. That I am a, a big, big. I didn't fan know that you were. I, I you mentioned it, but I didn't know you also. I also didn't know you stand for it. Yeah. I did not, you, I did not know it was here I stand for you. I'm a here I stand stand. Yeah. Yeah. Same person. Big time. Again. Here I stand. Same person. Yeah. Big time. Um. So what do you have to say about that? Um. Uh, just that. Uh, if if, she's it, dead if, you. if their she's game dead goes you. well, yes, she's dead. You just want to put her on <laughs> no. blast. If the game if the game goes well and she gets a few people into it, I would love to have a, a crew that we could uh, that we could play that more often. That we could get to the table, you know, four or five times a year. Because yeah. I, I really four enjoy or five game. times a I, year. By the way, I can, well, I, or, for, or have four or five windows where we might play that. I I kid you not. This is not to this is not to rile you up, but Candace pitched it to me, me and she said, Ben, I think you should play it because it's kind of it's like it's kind of like historical TI4. <laughs> it is Yeah. Oh, I mean in the exact same way that uh, well, Demacher did, is. Also, and since you are basically Tom, we get both of you at there at once. Yeah, yeah. Basically. So you'll be represented. Uh, yeah. Good. We'll just That's all we, we just need one of us. Yeah, we'll see how it goes. No big deal. 
But uh, yeah, I just I was just reminded once again of how like it is not a perfect game. It is it is kind of a maddening game in some ways. Um, I think I think like when we played it, like I think it's an interesting simulation. Yeah, of history. This is is it designed by who's it designed by? Ed Beach. Ed Beach. Like uh, there because like things like balance and all that stuff like that's not the point. That is not the point. It's not unbalanced per se. Like it is the the things that people are doing in the game is very unbalanced. Uh, I, I would say like, I would say you know the game when we played. Yes. Like it, it's imagine like you're in England. Yes. And you're you're doing your thing. And somewhere off the coast of, you know, Macau, <laughs> someone else is doing something. And eventually you guys may intersect. That's how it felt. Like there are people who you would have no interaction with till like the eighth hour of the game. Look, the, per, the, pers- the person we had in the game playing England was just a real, just a real jerk. So we can't really talk about Give it. Me in a those pep terms. Talk. Give me a pep talk of what's the mentality I need to be in as I walk into that game. Narrative. Go go, go yes. in for narrative. That, that's yes. it's all narrative. You immerse immerse yourself in the story because uh, what you're what you're playing is going to be a radically different game. If you were playing the Protestants, you could not be. It is almost like you were playing a game that has nothing to do with the game that the Ottoman player is playing. Mm. Like there is no crossover between like, the two games. Imagine shoots and ladders on one end of the table and eighteen seventeen on the other end, and, like, and they're connected. That is not, that is not true. <laughs> that, that is not true. I mean, that's a great pitch, though. If, if you are, if I'm you are the Protestant, if you are pro- on one end, if you are the Protestant player, you are fighting a a two person game against the papacy, mm. and you are you are all in. And to some extent. The decisions of the other players are going to affect what happens in in your battle. I would say if you, for you, Ben, uh, if you had the right people that came in with it for like, oh, let's experience this and let's play for narrative, like you would have a great time. Okay. But you'd you'd need 15 hours. Because I'm I'm worried that what's going to happen is that um, someone is going to take a cutthroat, like, like aggressive thing against do something cut their own aggressive against me and i'm gonna see red and i i i want to like uh i want to like sort of uh prepare i want to put myself in a mind space where i'm gonna laugh when that happens no you know, you know what no you no, you no, should no. request to play the ottomans then <laughs> okay because you will be the one slitting throats well it's not that like you know i, I think like the problem i think you know playing the game only once yes so i, I think the issue with the game is like if you are truly knocked out like you're you're there for for you're you're super trapped true but sometimes i'm okay with that because then i have i find actually there's a a huge amount of freedom in that and that you can just sort of do whatever who cares it's like because you know h and xx ti4 when i got double cross there or Mm -hmm. there's a savage move I'm like, oh, that's funny. Like, good, good move. Uh, Western empires. I was like, burn this it, it, game to the ground. It, it, you know, it, 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 it's and, like, and I, like, I feel it reminds it, me more of Western empires. I just think you were in a bad place. I think, you, I think you just was, had a. I think you, you just had a bad day. A bad, you had a bad, a bad day. mindset. You, you were, I wasn't embracing the, my fellow twin I, flame. Look, when they, we play Eastern the empires, it's going to totally <laughs> change your mind. <laughs> Did a twin flame leave, leave you bruised, man? Did, 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 I got, I got burned by the other half of my twin flame. Oh, I love that. When we play Eastern Empires, that's what's going to really bring <laughs> you right. around. I actually, I, there's some weird Stockholm Syndrome thing going on with that game because I really had, I was like, I, can, I was like so angry after Western Empires. And, uh, but now I'm sort of like, well, but now I feel like I'm an older and wiser player, even though it was only like four months ago or six <laughs> months ago. I'm like, I'd be fine now, you know, so I don't know. 
Oh, what can you well, do? Well, we'll see. I'll, I'll report back on how I fare with here I stand. Yeah, we want to. What are you playing? Hear. Uh, what am I playing? When is it? I think it's like in a, in a few weeks. Okay. Like, and how how many people do you have for the game? Six. I'm not. I'm not I literally six. no. I li- is it? I, I have no idea. You play what six. Okay. She's got six. Yeah. Oh, beautiful. There's. I I think. Yeah. I think it's gonna be six players. I don't yeah. remember when it's. I think in about two weeks. Yeah. No. Two, it's three uh, weeks. Uh, carb load. Like like carbo load. <laughs> Yeah, treat yourself gentle the day before like, and I, the day after. I don't like being this person that has to like mentally prepare myself, like to, to get in the right mindset for a game. But I'm coming to terms with the fact that I am this person. You have you have uh, you have dudes on a map problems, and yes. this has dudes on a map issues. So prepare yourself for that. Yeah, and see if you can play the Ottomans. See if you can play the French. Those are the those are the two powers that I would that I would push you toward. Play whoever wherever you get. I'm gonna because I feel like Candace is Jordan playing. Jordan is playing. Oh, yeah, he's don't, gonna kill me. The, the, try to not be around Jordan. <laughs> That's exactly like like, like, like geographically. I am you know, going it, to I am going to stay on the other side of the map because yeah. he's gonna he's gonna do he's gonna do a savage move on me and I'm gonna see red and I'll get mad at Jordan and I don't want to get mad at Jordan. You know, it's gonna happen. Like I can see it already happening. Yeah, no, it it it, it can be uh, it can be <laughs> tough. It can be tough. Like you know, like uh, everyone's so asymmetric. So like yeah. you know, so you his. Uh, I don't want to have a retread of Democker. Where I was like, "How could you like you know with the whole the whole controversy we talked about last yes. week?" Yes, I don't want to. I don't want to go down that path again. Yeah. So we're going to see what happens. We will see maybe what we happens. We do go down that path, and maybe we grow and we learn. Okay. Yeah. No. But at least you won't be playing Amsterdam. Oh snap! At least okay. So time to talk deep dive with Amsterdam, which is a Stefan Feld game. Uh, originally, it was Macau. What? Mm-hmm. When did that come out? Two thousand six, two thousand seven. I see you got two thousand and nine, maybe. Okay. I feel like. Well, let me check. Well, Tom will be on. He will check out the date for that. But uh, basically, two thousand nine. Boom. Two thousand nine. Queen Games has been re-releasing several Stefan Feld games. Um, under a new umbrella of like the Stefan Feld City Collection, nice. um, uh, there's games like Bruges has been re-implemented as Hamburg, and um, Macau has Hamburg, been, Hamburg, and now Macau has been re-implemented as Amsterdam. So Amsterdam, Amsterdam, stop. So <laughs> <laughs> stop. Uh, of note, these two games were the first that were released in this series. There are now several. There's Marrakesh, and there's several more coming down the pipeline. And as far as Kickstarter releases, this was a, this was a bad one. This was a long, long, long slog and wait. And it was and- not it was not ideal. So I backed I backed Hamburg uh, because I own Bruges, and uh, I saw the Rado run through, and I saw this big, beautiful new board, and it incorporated the. Bruges expansion, which has been long out of print. I thought this seems great. This seems like a great, I love the little tweaks in it. I'm going to back Hamburg. And um, the Kickstarter was like, oh, by the way, you can also back Amsterdam. And I was like, "Mm, I don't have, like, I'm tempted to. Macau, I played it once before online. I enjoyed it. Am I going to do Amsterdam? I'm not sure. So I got Hamburg and a lot of people, a lot of the buzz around Amsterdam was like, ooh, of the two, this is the one to get. So that made me super curious about Amsterdam, and I eventually, I eventually went up getting it, and so we've played it. And for those who don't know how it plays, essentially, it is just a brutal euro. His it comes from that like era of Stefan Feld, where he just loved to punch you in the face while you tried to get all your shit together. And it is so less brutal than Macau than the game that it comes from. But it is. You're right. So yeah, basically it. 
it's hard to, to, to explain what, a, what some of these Stevenfeld games are because there's so many different things that are going on, right? Yeah, but in this one, uh, this one is essentially what, it, what the, the, the signature element of it is that every round we roll a bunch of dice and they're different colors. And so... Um, Trey's out. Trey is out. So, like, let's say there's an orange. Tree. Trey would begin for this. Because Trey it, would like this. Because, well, no, no, no. I, I didn't say that. I said, but as far as the dice is not the problem. Correct. <laughs> so what happens is that essentially you are, like, you roll a bunch of dice, and everyone's going to choose. The dice are tied to a resource. So what the resources are, I'm not sure. Love. Purple. Iron, you never, never specify. Orange, purple, right? Cubes, basically. So, like, if there if we roll an orange two, that means you can get two orange cubes. Or if there's a black six, you can get six black cubes. And everyone has a little wheel, a la barrage, you know, little spokes in it, and they each have compartments. So there's like a compartment for two, three, four, five, six. There's one, also one for one. So if you te- if you get the two orange cubes, you put the two orange cubes in the two compartment. So after everyone gathers all their cubes in this way, we ran rotate our wheel. And there's sort of like an exit. There's like an exit door on this wheel. A la barrage. A la barrage. And whatever is in that exit door comes tumbling out. And those are the resources you have to play with for the round. It doesn't actually come tumbling out. There is no height thing No, to it, emotionally but... tumbling out. Got it. Yes. Yeah. So they come out. You take the things out of the, the now, area. Now, if you don't have anything to come out of that area, you get a penalty. Yes. And you don't want penalties in this game. Nope. Because they're exponentially bad. They are exponentially bad. <laughs> they're not exponentially bad, but they do increase no, bad, badly. Three, eight, fifteen, twenty-two. That's <laughs> so, no, no, no. And then, and then only by seven. So this is the it's first. Again? Only by seven. Yeah, but still bad. Caps. But so then this is this is the um uh this is the first pressure cooker of the game, which is that you are trying you constantly are trying to manage um the cubes you need to do the things you want to do, which we'll get into in a second. Uh, versus also having to fill in the gaps in your wheel. Because if you have a gap in your wheel and it, and then that wheel turns and it's like it's time for everything to come out, it's in, like, in it's zero like tumbles. a Ferris wheel. Think yes, of a Ferris wheel. You know when people get off a Ferris wheel, you sit there and it stops, people get off and it rotates, people get off. And it's like in this game, if the Ferris wheel rotates and there's no one in the on the bench <laughs> to come out. Demerit. <laughs> the Ferris wheel gets a loose star. You have earned a demerit. And the demerit is a broken wagon wheel. That is the symbol for it. A broken wagon wheel. So you're trying to constantly make sure you are filling your wheel up because you know you never know what the numbers there's that roll of the dice and you're like well i really need those five purple cubes but then i was like oh but if i don't use that two now i'm i like there's no chance like so the five purple cubes will go on the fifth space of the wheel which is not coming to you for four turns more rounds exactly four more rounds in the in our game yesterday for example uh, ben and i we uh we had a two problem and so eventually, like uh, we rotated, and now we had a blank on one. And if we di- if Tom did not roll a one, we get a demerit, and we're like, oh no, I have a one problem. That's right. Roll a single one. You actually rolled, I think, three different dice were one. I think. Oh, and that one, yeah. Yeah. And so we're like, oh, which I would argue is actually one of the best parts of the game is that like that tension and that drama and the fact that we all cheer when that die rolls. Is it? Well, I know. I, I, I think that's. I think that's, <laughs> I think that's like a fun theatrical moment. Yeah. However, the reason why this is even more stressful is that every round before we even roll those dice and see what's coming down the pike, we every single player is forced to draft a card from a display. Notice what Ben said. Forced. forced. You must do this. You this is a non-consensual card acquisition game. Yeah, like we are obligated to take a card from the display. 
And we have little little player boards. They're kind of like strips of cardboard, long a long strip, which is similar to the Iki player board. Mm-hmm. If anyone has actually played that, I haven't and, played it. And so, <laughs> nobody nobody who loves me invited me to play that. So the cards, when you draft them, do you know that Iki and Here I Stand actually are working on a way to connect the two? <laughs> I would, <laughs> here I Iki. Um, so. The cards go below the... By the way, there's a crow outside that is going absolutely bananas right now. This crow loves Amsterdam. I don't know what's going on there. <laughs> Do you guys hear this crow? No, I can I can hear it on the I can hear it on the recording. Yeah. yeah. So if everyone's wondering what that crow is, um, yeah, that's that's just Stefan Feld trying to defend his game. So the these cards, when you are forced to get them, they go below your player aid, okay? And you have to... You have a spot for five of these cards below below your player aid, okay? And if you ever, it's time to take your card and you and you have take on a six card, you're going to get a penalty because one thing that you're trying to do with those resources is use them to get those to pay for the the cost of those cards to move them out from under your player board, if that makes sense. Essentially activating them there. Suddenly, what the card does, the little benefit that it gives you, you can take now. Yeah, because every card has a price that's like, oh, to activate this card, you need to spend two orange cubes and a gray cube or like like three purple cubes or whatever. So you really need to get those cards activated. And so the pressure going back to that wheel is not only am I filling in the blanks of the wheel, but I'm also trying to get the right combination of cubes in the same pocket. So that way when they come out, I can then pay to move these cards out of the way. So that way there's room for the new card, which has to come. So there's like a death march of cubes and cards that you're dealing with every single round. So the way that I explain explain the this aspect of brutality, because there's many aspects of brutality, is that you need to build an engine with pieces that you don't necessarily want, and to fuel these, uh, yes. And, yes. To fu- and to fuel these engines is this random bit where you also have to pick fuel that isn't appropriate for your engine. And, and guess what? You can't keep any uh, cubes except for one. So you must spend them too. Which is a a um, a mitzvah. It is a blessing that Steve Sevenfeld has given us. Because in Macau, you can keep none. Yeah, you don't. You cannot even keep one cube if mm-hmm. if your rondel does not have exactly what you need. Right. Forget about it. And that is uh, that is not insignificant. Like it's to it's be able big. to keep one cube really opens up what you can do with the game because there have been so many times especially early in the game you're really relying on having that holdover obviously there's ways to do it because the original macau worked perfectly fine people love it in, in original macau you'd you'd see a card that has three different color cubes on it you'd be just like well it's never gonna happen it's never going to happen because yeah. you would literally have to make sure that that uh, rondel section has exactly those three colors, which means three rounds ahead of time, you need to have been seeding the one color in there and the one color in there. It's, it's ridiculous. It's yeah. crazy. So it does, it does give the player more agency, which, I, yes, it's less brutal. I, I actually think it's a good change. Agreed. I think that being able to interact with the cards in front of you is more important important than having just another extra layer of brutality because honestly it still feels brutal. Like I felt like managing the cubes, managing the cards. It is, I feel like you're scraping by every round. You did just fine, Ben. 
No, but you, you, yeah, you're, I did you're, fine. Your humility is very practiced. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, there's a difference. Were you doing, doing that in the mirror fine. this morning? Because it looks like you were doing that in the mirror this morning. You guys, I am a man of the people. It was a super <laughs> hard game for me was, too, guys. Yes, I won, but it was really well, hard. We're all so in this can, together. Yeah. <laughs> well, some people just deal well with brutality. What can I say? No, I, I do. Th- there's a dis- there's a difference between doing well mm-hmm. and feeling like it's brutal. Because oh, no, I no, felt no. the entire time I was like, oh my god. How, like I, I, I'm missing out on this. They're all going for. They're they're all they're using their coins to buy points at the market, and I'm sitting here and I'm having to use coins to get another cube that they all seem to have access to. So you feel you just feel that pressure the entire game, and I think that's kind of like the signature element of Macau and and this game. Yeah, no, it's uh, I as a person who likes games that are mean, like mm. you know, the game itself is very mean for what it forces you to do. Like yeah. it forces you to to do all these things that are against your own interests because of necessity. Yeah, and uh, and so in the way you never feel like you're in control mm-hmm. because like for the first half of the game, like especially when you have no uh, no cards above your uh, in play to help your engine. Before you have an engine, you are good luck. Yeah, <laughs> like you you are a slave to turn order the the flop and whatever dice. And and, and when I say slave, you are. Definitely. And this is a Mad Max engine yeah. to bring that back because yeah. it's like taped together from whatever parts you found yeah. in the post-apocalyptic desert and you're hoping it's good. And by the way, you can yeah. build a beautiful engine, but like any good engine, it needs it needs some fuel. If I may, I want to just talk a little bit more about the way the game plays, right? So yes. so you roll these dice, you take these the cubes of that number of cubes and you put them in that section of the rondel. And as you turn the rondel, whatever is in section one is going to come to you this turn. Those cubes are the main thing you're going to use and you're going to use those to take cards and promote them up and make them active. You're going to use those cubes to uh, secure districts in the map on the main board, which we haven't got to yet, of of Amsterdam and claim them for your own. And when you do, you're gaining a a different kind of resource. You're gaining a commodity. Yeah, because in the top half of the main board is a seascape. Essentially, is is a, a place where you're going to be able to take ships, load them up with some of these items. And sail to the places that want those items and will give you victory points for yeah. those items. And there's also one other little thing of dock workers there that on the way f- between these places, you can pick up dock workers that are going to be worth money. And if you deliver them to the right place, they're also right. worth points. Technically, I just want to point out that they are barges and not sa- uh, sailboats because I don't want people Thank to you. Think Someone that, said it. I don't want people to think that it's, this is more romantic than uh, it is. It's, uh, it's like full on cargo barges, yes, right. you know, and we're just motoring around. Um, which is, but your, but the point still remains. You're moving those boats around, mm-hmm. and you're you're dropping off the goods that you were collecting from the from the the town or the city, and then you are getting points, and you're moving dock workers. And, and there's around. and there's an area control aspect in the game where once when you're doing the map, you're labeling or whatever your your things, and there's a long claiming con- claiming, yeah, yeah, a longest contiguous route that's worth something. There are districts that are going to be scored more, so. There's a lot of things happening. Yeah, and then there's also, I alluded to it, there's a market tile. In the original game, uh, you could basically buy points. Uh, by, there was something like with the way the cards would come out where like you'd spend like three coins, you might get six points or something like that. And this game, there's no formula to make that happen. It's just like a flop of these cards that say, this round, you can spend four coins and you will get like... 
four points and movement up the turn order track, which is exceedingly important. So, True. so there's there's uh, that which is too. which is the Amstel, the Amstel River running through um, Amsterdam is also a place where you have a little a, a separate little barge or little uh, mm-hmm. a little boat that is moving up that river. There's actually several boats. In this. Actually, I think in, in... So I don't have the deluxe version. I have just like the normal version. Boo. I know. The deluxe version, I think, does have a boat. But in my version, it's just a... It's just like a cylinder. around a cylinder there. But what I have to say, I really enjoy that in this game that the... On the, the turn order... Not turn order. And the on the scoring track, mm-hmm. everyone's... a Boat. Everyone has like a little rowboat. And so as you are going, as you're getting points, you sort of imagine your little rowboat literally just like rowing along and, which and i think you, is very and what's funny is like you know when you row you get tired and that's how you feel throughout the whole game <laughs> because you're moving at the very beginning you're moving like these, these piddly like like you know like one two steps and you're just so tired to get the one two step. like like all these things it's like i'm so exhausted i'm just so exhausted <laughs> from like the having spending all my energy to, to basically get one point it's it is so now before we actually get into the gameplay I do think it's really important to talk about the visuals in this sure. version of the game mm-hmm. because I think this is I think this is not one of those games where it's like oh yeah it looks nice or whatever there there's I have some actual serious issues with the production agreed uh, that get in the way of gameplay um, I will say because I know what some of your guys is so I will start with one of mine instead mm-hmm. which is that um, the cards and there's been a lot of ink that's been spilled about this the cards that the game comes with have very unique iconography that is not always intuitive. I think it's a hard game to do iconography for, to be fair. Yeah. The, the actual art on the card is very lovely, like that woman and, picking tulips. And the cards are in Dutch. And they're in Dutch, which I'm fine with. I'm fine with them being in Dutch. I love but, trying to pronounce Dutch words. <laughs> yeah. But my issue is the iconography is very difficult, and all the cards are explained in a big glossary, but the number on the card so you can look it up in the glossary because the glossary is not alphabetical and it's like, again, it's, it's Dutch. So you have to rely on the card number and the card number is so, it's like all, you have to hold the card up to your nose to read it. Look, Ben, Queen isn't made of money, okay? Do you do you understand that going from two-point type to three-point <laughs> type adds another $50 per unit? Clearly, I mean, I, mean, I just don't know why do they that. couldn't they couldn't make the car the the card number like a, a normal legible that you could read from across the table because there's like, cards come out in a display, and it's like things like that are annoying and they they and they bring in an annoying energy into a game. When a game is stressful, I don't think you want to annoy people when you're already stressing them. I mean, Queen Game does offer they have uh, LASIK centers all over Europe. <laughs> they do actually have a English version of the cards which i probably will get but um i uh really I, I, yeah huh. i think i will but um i i have to say uh, production wise i thought that was a very annoying thing but i know that you guys have something that i share with you sure. but like who wants to who wants to mention the next a thing? couple things but paul do you want to well uh for me like you know everything is beautifully like you know there's a lot of saturated colors so like it, it, it pops the board the, the board the problem is like all the pieces are of a are such that like when you put them on the board, they all get, get cloaked basically by they all this lost. color. <laughs> they are literally lost. And, and so like so there is this aspect where like you're struggling to access the game physically. 
that's how I always say it. Like you, you, it's not intuitive that you see, oh, here's Tom's route, here's my route, here's where this resource is that I need. Here's here's even where how much these resources cost because everything has such high contrast that you know if everything is pink, then like nothing, nothing is, pink. is pink. But also, it's like do you, you think do you think that it suffers partially because? We played a work of art that has perfect game functionality in Indonesia last week. Do you think maybe that that, oh, that that's the reason? Uh, you know, I, now that you say that, I think that is true. Uh, that like, like, like <laughs> as much as I bitch about the uh, the the map in Indonesia, like you, c- although you can't necessarily count, you know where the pieces. You can are. see where everything. Is. You can see the pieces. With, like you can see where they are. You might not be able to read or, or but like with this here, like everything just becomes like camouflaged. It does. And so, like, this is where I would say, oh, a desaturated map would be a little better in some ways because you would be able to see, oh, here is what's available, here's not. So, just the physical access. Or, or, or as simple as I, I said that if the player pieces that you put out when you claim a territory are wooden, plain old wooden discs, the sure. simple wooden disc of your yeah. player color. The height of it and the 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 look of it is going to not blend into everything else there and make things disappear. Because this is an expensive game, and I know it's not a, like there's like a school of thought that when you talk about games, like you really shouldn't bring price into it because yada yada yada. But honestly, like the deluxe version was about a hundred dollars. I don't I don't get I don't and, get that conversation because we yeah. have to talk about price. I mean, we're we're yeah. we're advocating and, for people to buy or not buy things. Yeah. So the deluxe version is like a hundred dollars, which yeah. feels a little crazy. But you know what? My Hamburg one, Hamburg, is deluxe, and I actually quite enjoy it. Um, I, I'm like, I still feel like hundred was a little on the, a little too expensive, but I still like, you know, but okay, whatever. This one was, I think, seventy five dollars. Yeah. So I think that for that price point, like you could fit in some cubes or some cylinders. Mm-hmm. And the reason why this is really an issue is because when we talk about these city districts where you claim a commodity and you put down a crest instead. The crests have sort of the same, almost the same shape as the commodities, and almost the the same same saturation and saturation. So it's really hard to determine what's a crest and what's not. And that could be a gameplay issue. That could be not just an inconvenience because if you're trying to create, if you're thinking, "Oh, I'm going to pick up a good," and then you realize, "Oh, that's not a good. That's a crest." That could mess up your entire round. In the northern half of the map, the water section of the map. Um, you have to find places where there are cranes so that you can yes. load your boat. It is almost a Where's Waldo level of design where they have hidden these cranes so that they are super hard to find. Hidden in plain sight, though. And, and I mean... Like Waldo. I mean, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But if they're re- you the, have to sit there the, every single time be like, where's the blue crane? Where's the pink crane? Yeah. And the delivery places for these workers as well. The color of them is super hard to discern and and super hard to and super hard to find. There are there are a lot of um, very very basic mistakes in terms of board and card legibility and understanding. Yeah, and it just it slows it slows down the game, and uh, it just it, again I just. They're not like end of the world things, but they are. There are enough annoyances that I think in a game where people may feel beleaguered or they may feel like the game is out to get them, that you don't want to throw up more obstacles. I, I like it, it just yeah. it frustrates me. This sort of circles back to every single thing we just talked about. Like it frustrates me that in twenty twenty three, that people don't have clean don't water. Have <laughs> that they Access don't. Clean water. Well, yes, that does frustrate me. But it also frustrates me that people 
don't think about these things when they put out the games. They don't sit down and play and say like, oh yeah, you know, like we can we can fix that or or we can approach that. I mean, maybe there were many meetings about this, but this was a real fun, uh, a usability issue. Yeah, for I this can game. see what happened, right? Like, because if you look at the map without playing it, and you go like, oh, this is a pretty map. Like before you play, the map is pretty. The, 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 it's like the, a storybook. Yeah, like you go like, oh, I, I see what this game is. It's only when you're using it where you go like, oh, you know, maybe we should have drawn an outline for where these districts are because like the gray and the black might look too similar, or even the gray mm. and the purple, or whatever. Like it's just. Too- I mean, there's an anchor symbol at the places where you go to deliver goods, but there is no symbol where the where the exactly uh, the, the cranes are. The anchors are very easy to spot. You see an anchor like right away. I don't know somehow the anchors pop out. Yeah, because like because that, that was. Because that part of the board was stripped away from all of the finery and made very relatable and very playable. Yeah. Um, so this is like basically reverse Indonesia. And Amsterdam and Indonesia have like, you know. Two maps that are too pretty for their own good. Although I wouldn't really call, <laughs> I wouldn't call this game too pretty. It was just, it's, 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 I feel like it's actually kind of like a cute map. I also think also, by the way, the determining the 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 neighborhoods in the, in the city area have different colors, and that is that's they're not. It's, it's, you don't look at that area and be like, oh, that's the orange area. You kind of have to really look at it, like, oh, yeah. I see some because there's so many other colors of uh, like basically texture colors, and, yeah. and there and there are resources that are on top of all of these areas, and the resources tend to cover the color that you're supposed to be seeing. Or the cost. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So I just feel like production-wise, like it it gets in its own way, which I think is unfortunate. Um, In terms of gameplay, I mean, I didn't get the sense that you guys, when we were playing it last night, I didn't get the sense that you guys were really loving it, or I couldn't tell where you guys feel a sense of misery because it was tough, or is it misery because you guys didn't like it? I like a mean game, but there are conditions to that meanness, Mm -hmm. right? Um. Agricola is the is the great example. It's like that f- those first few plays of Agricola where you realize how hard it is to just feed your family. Yeah, is just mind numbing, and and that's hard. It feels hard Stressful. every single time. But what the game actually is is you um, getting out of subsistence farming and getting to a place where hopefully a, lo- a lot of people will be able to build a farm that is suddenly oh. I can really feed my family now. I can do this now. I have yeah, a little bit of extra resources in order to be able to build this stable or to to build these sorts of things. So a hard, mean game, but the experience of playing the game is something that kind of transcends that a little bit. Or um, Demacher, right? It's, it, it could be a very mean game because you are people are in fights for their lives in every single in every single one of these. Uh, states and every single one of these territories in which you're in, in which you're trying to get it, um, but you you win elections and you yeah. you change public opinion. You do these things and you see these things happening. So the question is is does does Amsterdam do that? Now Macau didn't do that. There's a reason I don't own own Macau, and it's that I played it and I was like, ooh, I loved a, a Steffenfeld, mean Steffenfeld game. I'm into it. I'm into it. Mm-hmm. And I played it a few times, and at the end of the day, I'm just like, nah, not really. Not really. I don't I don't hate Macau. I think right. it's a very just interesting, not. very interesting design. But uh in Macau in particular, and, and I have to say there are some very good choices that were made in the redesign of this game. In Macau, it takes 10 spaces, I think, to get your barge to the very first available, the nearest 
right. other place Just to, get the of to deliver to to deliver to the islands yeah. is ten spaces. Each one of those requires one of those cubes that you've been sweating over trying to get in the first mm-hmm. place. So it is really really hard to deliver things, which creates a situation in that game where what you're really doing is is you're just stacking up all of these resources and the end of the game is spending all of these cubes that you've just been saving up on on this wheel for these mega turns where you're going as far as you can and delivering as much as you can. And it created kind of sameness to the game where everybody is just suddenly spamming the board full of all the things that they've worked all game to get to. This game did some very interesting things that mitigated that. First of all, they gave a bonuses for early deliveries. A la similar in vibe to Castles of Burgundy. Yes. When you like finish a section of your mm-hmm. board early, you yes. get a bigger bonus. Um, the cards in this game create another thing that is going to be, frankly, a drain on the cubes that is going to create a very different uh, feeling of the game and the way things are, are laid out. Um, and the ability to hang on to that one cube between turns uh, gives you at least the illusion of a little bit more agency in terms of how I can manipulate my situation to do the things that I want to do as opposed to being forced into situations yeah. where I have to do the only thing I can do, which Macau fell into a lot. I think that the um, the the stuff with the barge, um, I think they did a really good job, despite the fact that it's difficult to parse what's going on up there visually, I think they did a good job of updating, you know, what you can do with that barge. Because like you said, originally it was that you had to like spend a lot of cubes just to move your barge close enough to the islands to start delivering. But here you can start delivering right away. But there are many, there are a lot of considerations, you know, there's now there are dock workers that you can pick up and then you can deliver them somewhere to get money and money is really important. And then on top of that, there are those early bonuses. Uh, I don't think this was in the original game. But now, if you're moving your barge around, and let's say you're just sort of like in the middle of the in the middle of the water, and you get some commodities from the city, those commodities have to sit in a temporary warehouse until you get to a dock, and then at a dock, you can then load them onto your barge. So you have to like he's added a step. Yeah, it's almost like you have to position like where your barge is on that map matters more. Yeah, and I I really like that. I think it sort of like adds some fascination to the uh, pick up and deliver that's going on up there. Hey. Like yeah. my, my turn. Uh, like I had a very hard time with this game. Like you know, uh, it's not often that I go, "Oh, this is really unpleasant for me." But like Jordan, like you know, looked at me like you know as we're playing, and like well, we're about maybe eight tenths through, so four fifths, I guess we can do math. Uh, and I go like, "Oh, I can say it now." I go like, "We'll accept either." Yeah, like I hate this game, <laughs> <laughs> and, and it took me a, a, a little bit of thinking about why it is. And I think for me, like, I think some of the beauty of the game is its cruelty. Like, you know, you have your uh, your your barrage cube mechanic plus your uh, card mechanic that you have to deal with. And, like, you're struggling for that. It was hard for me to, like, combine that with, like, area control and delivery. Like, mm-hmm. I, like why? why I, don't, I don't even know why I'm picking these buildings, per se, uh, with these uh, cubes that mean nothing to me, aside from that they are resources, and then put another game where I need to do some area control and some d- pickup and delivery. Mm. Like that, there was a, a huge, you know, disjunction in, in in that mindset for me. So I could never really grasp what I'm doing aside from doing various mechanics. Yeah. yeah. 
And it's so, true. And so with that, I'm like, oh, I, I don't have access to this game on a visceral level or a narrative level or whatever. And because of that, I go like, oh, now I'm being punched in the face because of, uh, if, it's like going in. If I were to go box with someone, I'm, hey, here, here is someone. I'm boxing with them. This feels like I'm going in and boxing with like a robot. And I have, and it's just like it's not even what you're doing exactly. Uh, And there's also the the aspect of like things that I always uh, dislike is like player interactivity. Like in this game here, like what we're competing for is like, do we play with turn order to get cards? Because you want the cards, you want to have the first pick. So turn order means Mm -hmm. a lot. And then there's an aspect about like, can I? How quickly and how necessary do I need to get these resources on the map? But other than that, like, there's no impact for me against Tom other than yeah. denial. There's yeah. no, so I'm already pretty negative on that. Like, that's that's a personal thing. That's you know, some people love that. Agricola is that. Like, you know, like you you basically go here. I need to go here, and like someone else needs to go there, and you're actually jockeying to see how late I can go to a location. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and but this doesn't have that. Doesn't have that. Yeah, the interaction is not very high. I mean, there's there are areas that are built for interaction, but even then, like moving my barge around, I wasn't mm-hmm. terribly concerned about where anyone else is. I will was. say, like you know, like in as far as the real the real interactivity comes in turn order, and there were two times in the game, like I've never interacted with Tom, like you know, Tom, Tom blocked me once for no reason like the completely out of, wow. completely out of the uh, of you, you know. I beg your pardon i thought i gave you nine points in the second in the first round the second round of the game i'm sorry was that after we, we, you had to take back because like you know you read the rules <laughs> but you hadn't played before yeah probably. Uh, but uh like uh but but you know i had no interaction with tom in real interaction but like you destroyed me twice because you took turn order at the most appropriate time which i don't think you knew that it was you couldn't know it was going to happen because you didn't know what the flop was going to be right i i just did it because it was like that this seems like a good use of my resources and i also i'm like i think i just kind of feel like being sure, like, sure. So, so I, you, I can i can see turn order right now so i think i'm going to yeah it's never gonna be bad so, so you, basically you magic mic that divined you know the, right. the situation and i was like oh my god this destroys this card that i have completely but like mm. aside from that denial like you know there's no yeah. there's there's no which which is which the i agree and i think this is one of those moments where that's either gonna be a future or a flaw for someone mm-hmm. because <laughs> like um it's not a, it's not a huge flaw for me. Mm-hmm, sure. I'm not I I'm I'm happy with a game that's just like a really interesting intricate puzzle and I'm mainly just doing my mm-hmm. thing and we're, and the interactions just that we're talking about our yeah. misery together. Um I know other people really want more intense interaction. I don't think one is better or worse than others. It's just mm-hmm. that's personal preference. Uh, and, and this is I like I preface it. This is this yes, my thing like, that's what you would want. Yeah. Yeah, yeah like ultimately if it's going to be brutal, I want my my compatriots to be brutal to me as yeah, opposed to the game. the game being brutal. And then we're just, <laughs> it's like we're in, a, we're in a cage and then every now and then someone comes in and beats us up but individually. Are we, are we emotionally <laughs> closer now? No, We've been we're, hazed by the game. We're drowning in our own boats and we just keep reaching out for each other and they're like, get away from me, get away. But I would say though, so on the plus side, cause I, I, yeah. I like the game yeah. more than you guys did. I, I have a different way of looking at it too. Oh, but okay. so, Actually, no, why don't you say what your, your way of looking at it is? So when I looked at the game first, right, I see this watery area and I see all these different places where you can load up goods and places where you can deliver goods that have different point values. And there's like a, a 
connected waterways between these things. And there are little men that you can pick up and deliver those as mm-hmm. well. And I was like, oh, that looks fun. That looks interesting. That's, yeah. that's pretty cool. Then there is a city map. And I can see every single space in that city map has a different commodity that, that you're going to be delivering up there. And you're going to claim those. And they have different costs, but they also have different connection points to other things. I'm like, okay, it's a little more area control. It's a little more, you know, stringing out a, a, a list of things. Not quite so interesting, but still pretty good. Then I look at the cards and I'm like, this isn't very interesting to me at all. This is a what it's like uh, you first of all you have to take a card it's not you get to take a card and it's like what is the difference between taking the tulip cellar and taking a the west hall building really what what is the difference it it has a different cost and it has a different little little micro power but that's that is as dry and boring as it gets Right, and then even the the even the, the 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 wheel and and all that sort of stuff is like that's interesting to a point, but the fact that if you leave a sector open, you're going to get a, a dinged a negative point, that's less interesting to me. So interesting because well. I am the exact reverse of you. I go like like with with the cubes and the the card. They go like, oh, that's it. That's a, a mitigation galaxy trucker style, like you know, make you know, make lemonade out of like crap, kind of. Oh, no, no. <laughs> uh, for me, for me, what it came down to is that I had to spend so many of my cubes avoiding negative points by playing these cards that meant nothing to me, that I didn't have enough cubes to do a lot of shipping and, and delivering or do the shipping and delivering that I thought but that's that because I, you're looking at it as a delivery game that right? I, th- that I thought I wanted to, uh, I'm just saying that, that, that was the only part of the game that was particularly interesting to me. That, you that didn't feel like you got to play it as much because you were bogged down with the things the game was forcing you to do. Correct. Yeah. I, I think that the, I think that the game had a lot of do this or get punished um, that got in the way of here are the possibilities of, of the game. And I just didn't, but is it, I didn't yeah, love that. Yeah, I, I can definitely see that. I mean, so I like I was saying before, I I like this game more than you guys do. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is like my favorite Feld, mm-hmm. um, but I I enjoy it. I'm actually glad that I bought it. I've, uh, you know, I, I played it at two players. I played it at four players. Paul and I played it at two players. I think it's much better at four players. I just think that the there's just more dynamic things happening with four players. So we played it optimally? I think so. I mean, it was it was still fun at two players, but I think it was much more fun at four players. Got it. But um, what I really enjoy about the game is I do enjoy the brutality. I, I don't mind the game is forcing me to do something because literally every game ultimately is forcing you to do something. Like every game has its rules, and this one's saying just like this is the way it is. I was I was fine with the fact that like thematically nothing really made sense because mm-hmm. it was a Stefan Feld game, so I was like okay with it. <laughs> um, it just I just was fine with it. But um, what I liked about it is I like that you are kind of taking these random cards. Like one of like one of the first cards you sometimes you take a I think one of the first cards I took was something like every time you use this like this sort of card, this kind of orange card, you get a great cube. And I was like, well, that's great, but I don't have an orange card. And I all of a sudden I'm like having a card that's building off of that. And so then I'm like but it kind of guided me when a card like that did pop up. Now I'm kind of guided. You're getting nudged. You create this ramshackle engine that is nudging you towards building more into the ramshackle. And then you get this random piece for your engine. You're like, well, I don't even know why I have this. And then like as the game develops, these things that felt random in your tableau, suddenly you find uses for them. And then you find ways to piece them together. 
And out of nowhere, you start, you start developing something that all kind of works together. And I think that that, that like that way of, as Paul said, making the lemonade, lemonade out of lemons, I think that's crap, actually, I said. Oh, out of crap, <laughs> making crap lemonade. For me, that is, that is one of the joys of the game is that mm-hmm. in this, like during this duress of what the game is forcing you to do. And given that like you are pulled in all these directions and it feels like you just can't do anything. The fact that you are able to assemble something actually out of these, these pieces sure. is like, it's, I think it's very fun and very exciting. Like, it's and, interesting you say it. Cause like, I, I hear what you're saying and I go like, Oh, this is the same philosophy that Ben goes into with 18 XX. Uh, and I think it actually is a very healthy philosophy when you go in, where basically someone who like me, who comes in to 18xx with a uh, with a Age of Steam background? I look at I invariably look at Age of 18xx as a uh, what you call it a, a procedural like uh, operational game an operation uh, train game where with all the stocks it winds up being a portfolio management game in theory but like there's that balance between like stocks and 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 if you can look at it as at the whole as a whole as opposed to individual components I think you have a much more rich time playing in 18xx and in this game like the way that tom described and i go like oh this is interesting because like tom describes it as like this is a delivery game and uh, because that's the thing that interests you like you know it's pretty and uh but you are looking at it as a whole game where like it's it's totally where it's not a delivery game it's not an area control game it's not a, a build your crap engine game it's it's the utility of the totality of all of that it's, it's something else. And the way that you approach that game, I go like, oh, I suppose in the way that Ben is describing, if I, if I just let go of the fact that it's not any of the four things that I think it is, and it's something emergent from that, I think I would have a better time. Because yeah, I mean, I, maybe. Even, I mean, I, I guess I don't look at it as a delivery game, but that was the thing that looked the most interesting to me. Yeah. But the problem is, is that the card game is not optional. Hundred percent. You must play this. You must play this card game, whether you like it or not. Mm-hmm. You might play the pickup and delivery game. Sure, you sure. might not. Well, yeah. well, well this is to a certain degrees. But but, I, but, I, but like for me, in my case, you know, the first when we played, when Paul and I played, the way that that my engine started to develop was that I was doing the money game, and I was all about just getting like big cash and taking it to the market and getting big mm-hmm. points, and then I just sort of I I grew everything out of that, and it just sort of it went from there. And then this game that we played. You know, one of my first cards I got gave me a discount on on getting majority, like like being able to claim a spot in the city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So then, and then, then there was another card that came out, and this, by the way, could speak to you have to be okay with the flop in this game because it's going to work for you. It's going to sure. work against you. It's just one of those games. But like, then I Big travel a, a card came out that said, "Oh, whenever you claim a spot in the city, you get a coin." So I'm like, "Oh, well, now I have a card that says I get a discount when I place." And now I can now I, I just took a card that says when I place I get a coin. So I'm already starting to be like, "Okay, well, I'm going to focus on what I can do with this." And then I had some other things, and I you just sort of I just my 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 game wound up being placing a lot of things in the city, and then that fueled me being able to then just go all of a sudden have a late game surge with the delivery. And um but I was, that was exciting for me. But I will say like you're speaking from a lot of privilege in the fact that your pieces eventually came together. There are three other people at the table whose pieces may not have come together. <laughs> I, mean, I think I ended up within five points of you at the end, but uh, nonetheless, yeah, no. It, yeah. By the way, that, I mean it was it was a really close, a really close game. The with pieces a, with an eighteen point swing with that last card. <laughs> 
Yes. Oh, because I, but True. either way, but, I, but, but, that, but truthfully, uh-huh. if Tom sure. had really known what that car was mm, when sure. he drafted, he would have taken it. Correct. So, uh, yes, like my engine did come together. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's definitely possible for an engine not to come together. But also, it, I feel like like this might be also one of those areas where like, you know, I'm bad at bidding. I'm mm-hmm. bad at auctioning. I'm bad at area control. Although I did well at the area control last night. Well, that's not really area control. It's more just like just getting presence. But like... But I maybe my skill set is that I can recognize that will go well with that, and that will go well with that. I can assemble, maybe that's my thing. And I'm not saying it's not your, not that you guys can't do that well. But, but it's maybe like it's I think it's, it's, I mean, that's, uh, it's what he said. Though. I think he said like you small brains can't yeah. see the game. But that I might be and you know when you say which is not things to, I'm good at. But when you say which is not to say that I'm saying blah 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 blah. That doesn't that doesn't absolve you when you when you literally just did that. Well, I guess I'm just saying is that like you know. You guys, you guys are, are upset smart. that your pieces didn't come well together, but I had I was in, often in third or fourth in turn order. I would like to play this game again, I'm, but I'm without saying, Ben. Sure, I think it might because that might be the problem. Because he's too smart. Because he's just too smart. <laughs> no, I'm saying he's that just, like he's just too. I, I respect that your engines didn't come together. I think but he's too also, like, Is that the game's fault or is it player fault? Well, once again, because because of how the card flop is, like it's really you don't necessarily get to choose what. What's going to happen? There's a lot of variability in that, and I'm not saying that this is a good or bad. I'm saying like your particular perspective mm-hmm. lends itself to this because you you are like if I were to describe it in any way, like the way that you play your games, you are more adaptable than most of us at a game that you don't know how to play. Mm. Like like without with, without a meta, like you know, like with, without anything, you are the most adaptable of our group. You know, not like the crusty person that Tom is. <laughs> but, <laughs> Who can only play, rusty? Who, who can only play like the delivery game? Well, I'm saying, wait, wait, wait. I, I, what I'm, I'm saying is, I'm, I'm looking at an internal game brain document, and uh, there is a person that we call Krusty, and it is not me. That is not the description from this descriptor for me. All I'll say is because we are we are running late. Yes, is that um, I did enjoy this game. I think despite everything that it sounds like I'm saying, I do fully appreciate. Like engines will not don't just come together. I want to play it again with you. Oh really? I do. Yeah. Even though you just kicked me out of the next session, um, uh, that might have been basically the same person. Though, so <laughs> that that that, that might have been just my I feelings think, talking. No, I no no I I I got it. But like I, I I what I was really trying to express there was not like oh I know how to I know how to make an engine. You guys don't know how to make an engine. And yet it came out so it's crystal clear. Came out so crystal clear. <laughs> okay, I don't know what, I don't know what's it. going on in your headphones because that's what engine. I heard. I know how to make an engine, guys, and no one else does. I'm just saying I was I was late in turn order for most of the mm-hmm. game. Yeah. And there were pieces that could have been taken away from me and they weren't taken away from me. And yeah. so um and well, then, you're I'm not saying that's on the fault pretty new people. Did, and you guys needed to And you had the OP card. Yeah, you had the OP card. I'm, I'm, I'm just saying, like you know, the, the, I'm not saying I'm not taking away your game. You you won one, like like that. That was not. Yeah, you you won that game. Now, By did did points. you see a card that no one knew what I meant except for you? Yes, sure. No, did no, you no, point no, it no, out to us? You no, you can't play like oh, I played Macau. I know this <laughs> game, and then be like, oh well, I haven't played this game. I'm, there aren't I'm cards in Macau. It doesn't have that. What do you mean there weren't cards in Macau? Nothing. There's nothing like this in, in that part well, in that Macau. I can, that well, I can't speak to. I, I, I will say like the the engine you built was a risky engine where it was going to. Pay uh, like you know late game stuff and, like you know that that's and and, and it, it worked out like the, uh, we're not I'm not crapping on, on what you created I'm I'm just saying that like there's a lot of variability on how things happen is in in being first to pick is not always 
going to be the best, especially if there's nothing available. Like if you if there if all f- six cards are not in alignment with your engine, you are now you're you're, you're stuck with like oh I need to I have this piece that doesn't fit right. and and so you. The game is is twelve rounds long, and yeah. I think the reason one of the reasons why it's twelve rounds long is to give you space to not only build these things, but also like when you do have these spare parts that you, you don't you know how to use, to there's ways to adapt and pivot. And I think that's that's just that's key. And um, I did have a strong card, but also, and I'm not saying this like you guys like you guys should have done this because everyone has different things that they're dealing <laughs> with that prioritize. But no one cut me off in my. I made a giant network at the end. And yeah. my card was strong, but only because it allowed me to make a huge network. And I was, tried to cut no you off, but you know, yeah, I needed so, I needed help, and the person who was next to me didn't help me. And so th- those are, and that is an area where actually there's might maybe more, <laughs> there may be more interaction there than meets the eye, because it is important to say not only like, oh, Ben looks like he like we need to cut mm-hmm. Ben off at the pass, and what cubes do you have coming down? What cubes do I mm-hmm. have coming down? Mm-hmm. There's more. But I think that um, yeah, it's a ch- it's hard ass game. But like I, I would say, that there would be no reason for me or Tom or even you know head of the pack Nick. <laughs> Nick, if Nick this game well if this game was nine turns instead of twelve turns, Nick won that game. And, like, I, was, I, and I was far behind. And, and this is why we wouldn't block you because you were in last place for all of nine rounds. <laughs> why would why would we block you? Uh, because right. we don't know if your engine is going to come together. Yeah. And you know we're not, we're not you know right. uh, people position Paul and I as bullies. We are not bullies, okay? We're, we no, no, we are not just bullies. We're not simply <laughs> bullies, you're okay? Just, you're just people who didn't have foresight to see. The hundred percent. We don't know. We can not gonna, We're not going to beat the heck out of the guy that just seems to be just trying this, his best. This we're not going to go after that person. Speaks, this to me, believe it or not, this actually makes me like the game more. This kind of this conversation of like, why would you? Why would you stop me? Because I was all the way in the back, yeah. and that's like, ooh, how interesting that the game allowed the, the, that. that there's a point where where, where where Tom was like, well, why 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 would you block me, Tom? And Tom's like going, because I can, <laughs> because I'm a bully. <laughs> all right, well, you, you showed me your throat. To be continued. Obviously, we have a lot of hot takes on this. Tom and I are going to play it again. So yes, we, we'll see. You don't have to play it again if you don't if you don't like it. You I don't want have to. to play it again. I want to give um, it. A, I wanted to give it another whirl. Okay, I so. Did. Um, I want to see you, you play with Jordan, Ben. That's what I want to see. I don't know if Jordan would like this. I don't care. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> um, anyway, uh, sort of a mixed review from us. I was more po- on more of the positive side. Yeah. You guys just seem to be a little bit. I more think a mixed negative. review is very fair. Yeah, I think that's, that's fine. true. Not all games can be yeah. like raves, um, but I personally liked it. And yeah. uh, and I just want to say one last thing. Macau is available to play on uh, the website Yukata. And so if you kind of want to like uh, dabble your toes in sort of like the foundations of this game and see how you like it, I think you will still, the, ga- the games are close enough that if you play Macau, you will pretty if much you, know if you're going to want to play. If you want the bare knuckle version. <laughs> of, yeah, give it a try. Give it a whirl and then you'll you'll have an idea. But I, I personally enjoyed it. And I the other thing is this game, this, this version, Amsterdam, comes with some built-in expansions and modules that we did not play with. Mm, right. So I, it's, I, that's a sort of a big important asterisk because I'm sure there will be people out there that say, oh, well, if you're feeling a certain sort of way about the game, play with this module, it might mm-hmm. help. Sure. So full transparency there, we did not do that. That being said, 
You've been listening to Game Brain, produced and edited by Matthew Robinson, Tom Donnelly, Trey Alsop, and Ben Mandelker. Special thanks to Daedalus for our incredible music. More on Daedalus at GameBrainPod.com. And thanks to Edamar Peleg for our incredible graphics. Be sure to check him out on Instagram at, at Kerbaloni or on his website, Kerbaloni.com. You can reach us by email at contact at GameBrainPod.com. Thanks for listening. And go play some games with friends or make some friends with games. Ow.